All right, hopefully we are live. This is Jason Lindgren from Secrets of Saturn. I got to see if Wayne actually has a functioning camera this week. Uh, if my background looks a little different, it's because I switched rooms with Rose to make her life hopefully considerably easier. So we'll see, and I have a cat at my door already. How amusing. All right, let's see if we can get Wayne on here. Uh, Wayne, is your camera on? By the way, if I look like a hot, sweaty mess, it's because I am a hot, sweaty mess in more ways than one. Wayne, turn your camera yes, on. Yes, my camera. My camera is on. This week. No, you're not. You're just not, not happening this week. Hello. Yeah, you're just not is coming my in. camera coming on? No. Huh. No. Hmm. Where did it go? Is everybody hearing us okay at least? I don't know what's going on with Wayne's camera. I guess we'll just leave that be. And I could even turn my mug off so no one has to just stare at me. <laughs> Let's hmm. see. Nope, you are just not coming through, Wayne. I don't know why. Is there some kind of stupid thing you have to accept because I'm running the uh, the NDI source thingy? You have to tell it that it's okay? I don't think so, unless they really screwed me up in this latest update they just did. Well, what's weird is I Let see you in the window. Settings. I see you in the Skype window that's separate from OBS. <laughs> Anyway, hmm. hello to everyone in the chat room. I see a whole bunch of a whole bunch of the good folks. Hello to all Let me of try you. This. Uh, I'm just gonna sit here with my messed up hair and my half put together bedroom. As you can see, there's no audio foam or anything like that. <laughs> and I have one set of curtains up, but not the others. So work in progress that'll be done tonight. Well, except for the audio foam that's coming from Ermerzern in the next day or so. But anyway, howdy everybody. Tonight we're going to talk about something that we didn't want to put in the actual title, and that's all the crazy fear porn of all the ridiculous make-believe fear porn, sicknesses, illnesses, diseases, go run out and get your flu shot because, you know, you're going to die if you don't. Crap. We're going to talk about that tonight. How do you feel about that? We're going to count the ways because, believe me, there's a lot of ways. So anyway, tonight, um, of <laughs> course, I'm joined with Wayne, and I'm. We are also joined by the great Baldini, who always Howdy. has a lot of interesting things to say. Man, I really do look like hell. <laughs> I tried to, <laughs> tried to, tried to undo that before I got it's in here. It's all good, man. But oh well, <laughs> you get to see me in the raw. You know, Jason. If you, at if you least put... they get to see you for some reason. <laughs> I cannot you know, get you on, dude. I have no I, idea. Why I don't know. Working. My camera seems to be working fine. There was nothing in the the settings that said anything about it. So I don't know. I tried turning it off. This and is back how I used it last and, week, and know, it worked fine. I had you and Eric on, and right. all right. Anyway, so let's take a, a real quick moment to mention our sponsor, our friend Randy from Houston's product is called Lower the Friction. Lowerthefriction.com. I am getting now that it's been in my vehicle for a few weeks. Almost five miles per gallon extra. I was actually, my last um, full tank got me 40 miles per gallon, and I normally get between 34 and 35 in town, as opposed to speeding on the highway where it kind of fluctuates a little bit. But anyway, turn my camera off. You want me to turn my camera off? Nobody wants to see me? Is that what you want me to do? <laughs> Trying oh, to keep up with the chat here. You know what's weird about the chat is it's way behind. Yeah. By like, I don't know, like at least 10 seconds or more. But anyway, I'll turn it off. Nobody wants to look at me. I don't care. 
Um, all right. When but anyway, please, if, if you're interested in getting better gas mileage and pre- preserve your engine better and all that good stuff like I was in my little Honda, go to LowerTheFriction.com, put in promo code SOS, which of course stands for Secrets of Saturn, and you get on, uh, you get a 5% off. So there's that. If you do use it, we would love to hear from you, by the way, because we're trying to get testimonials uh, so you don't just think I'm uh, throwing the old BS around. And as one person kept saying, it's snake oil, and it's not snake oil. I actually know about the product, where it comes from, its history. I even know who the creator is. So, all right. And no, not only that, no snakes were harmed in the making of the product. That's true. We did not take them and go, get them, get them oil out of them. So anyway, all right. Wayne, uh, you, this was actually your idea for this week, so do you want to lead us off? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure everybody out there, if you're you're on social media at all, I'm sure you've seen plenty of stuff posted the past uh, couple weeks about the big, scary coronavirus Ooh, that, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, dun, 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 that originated in Wuhan, China. Ooh, and, uh, you know... And so it's the Kung Flu is what you're saying. Kung Flu! The Kung yeah. Flu, yeah. Uh, basically. Sweet and sour. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. Uh, the joke will keep coming, but they won't get any better. He's already yeah. warned us. So. better. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow. Anyhow. Uh, so... I've I've seen just within the past couple of days a lot of people are posting different things. Uh, one thing being there's a, apparently a uh, Dean Koontz book from 1981 that uh, actually the the story in it talks about a virus called Wuhan 400 that originates in Wuhan, China, oh. and is used as a biological weapon. Hey, is that and, one of them coinky you know, dinks? Who, who would who would think of this stuff? I think it is. It's one of those coincidences. It's yeah. a you know, there's a lot of those that go on. Yeah, it's a Dean coincidence. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, this stuff's been you know hot and heavy, rolling off the press with this. It's all over the place. I've even seen stuff like these uh, really campy-looking, obvious production videos that they do, where it's supposedly some guy standing there in the streets with a cell phone, and and then you just see somebody just keel over on the street, and then a bunch of guys in in you know the the, the white scrubs and stuff and the whole get up the whole hazmat suit come and drag the guy away and stuff like that i mean i'm, I'm not kidding this stuff is it's it's ridiculous what they're putting out with this it's ridiculous like but this is the kind of stuff they're putting out so uh what i i wanted to do is just take a look at uh, some of the backstory behind this and uh, some of the occultic ties to this whole thing and you know all the hidden meanings and stuff encoded with it so uh that's kind of what we're planning on doing tonight uh and you know as jason said we we labeled the episode as counting the ways because you'll see why in a moment because uh we'll start uh, going over just the numbers and stuff associated with this whole thing and it's and crazy anybody it? yeah anybody who's been paying attention for any amount of time to uh, any of the work of Crow Triple Seven or ourselves and stuff here, uh, you'll you'll start to put the dots together pretty quickly once we point a couple things out. So, uh, you know, that's what we're going to talk about, and it's been crazy. Go ahead, Baldini. I didn't want to like interrupt no. you. 
<laughs> no, I didn't want to. Well, didn't want to interrupt you. I, I just have my my catty little remarks in the background. But I was saying that um, the, when you start breaking out the gematry on this, it's it's nutty. I mean, um, you know, <laughs> uh, Eric says he wants to see my bald head. No, <laughs> he prefers to be called follically challenged. Follicularly challenged. Uh, that's that's what we prefer is the less offensive. You don't want to see uh, me in my domicile. It's the you know chrome dome. So <laughs> domicile, yeah, that's super dome. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> From long distance, that's the best way to do it. That's uh, it's a very shiny dome. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, uh, so yeah, Wayne, um, th- this is. Uh, Wayne wanted to bring this up, and so I've been um, following this as well, and um, putting, uh, taking a look back also through some of the um, uh, some of the recent uh, scares that they've tried to put on us. And um, y- yeah, there's there's some interesting corollaries here. But uh, Wayne, Wayne, go ahead and uh, go ahead and get us kicked off, because I mean, the very first thing that comes up right is on the gematria is what uh, English ordinal. What, what what's the number there? <laughs> you know, come, come English on. ordinal. English ordinal. All right. Well, anyway, 6-6 is, is how Corona comes out and uh, reverse full reduction, 33. So really? nothing, to, nothing to see here. Move along. Yeah. No, no, no. Nothing to see here. Not only that, they're kind of, uh, you know, imbuing the power of the sun in this thing, too, Indeed. as well as the power of the, the royalty. Uh, so, yeah, you know, this is the, the king of all diseases right now, the coronavirus with its shining halo. So, uh, yeah, this is, you know, it, it just the occultic ties to it all. It's, it's, it's just kind of all over the place. Like when you actually take a step back and look at it, at the symbolism and the symbology, just thrown right in with the whole mainstream narrative of it all. Yeah, it is as if, if you have eyes to see what's that. It's, it is as if they're not even trying to hide it anymore on, on not only this, but, um, many, things right it's it's it, it's sort of like they've um you know re- dropped the pretense of of even hiding it anymore they're just doing it in, in plain sight all right and that that's the thing and, and when you have, if you have eyes to see if you take a step back and look at it on the face of it like all of this stuff is just ridiculous it's in your face uh just the name of it alone they they call it the the coronavirus now up until just the past week or so they were calling it the, the quote-unquote novel coronavirus 19 mm-hmm. Novel, uh, yeah. Very novel. But novel, yeah. Because uh, what a novelty it is, right, guys? Well, because it's out of yeah, the Dean but, novel. Uh, right, it's also found <laughs> in a novel, right? Wrote a book. Yeah, amazing, yeah. isn't it? Weird how all this stuff seems to work together, doesn't it? But uh, I, they just renamed it like this past week or so. They, they call it now COVID-19. C-O-V-I-D-19. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they've given it this clever name now. And, uh, you know, this this name is is kind of uh, riddled with hidden meaning as well. Uh, if you do the numerological breakdown there, uh, you'll see that COVID-19, also when you uh, factor it all out. Well, English ordinal, also 66 and 44 in yeah. the full reduction. Right. Or even if you just do the simplest thing and just go by each letter of the alphabet in what order it's in, the English alphabet, uh, it all adds together. If you add it in C-O-V-I-D, reduce those to numbers, and then add that to 19, you come up with 72. Mm-hmm. And 72 
is actually a, a very occultic number and oftentimes relates back to Goetia or, uh, you know, the, the Goetic magic, the, uh, the lesser key of Solomon, uh, you know, the, the number of demons mentioned in the lesser key of Solomon. Uh, so these are different uh, forces and stuff that, um, you know, they're trying to invoke into this narrative with these things. So you could see just the renaming of it of COVID-19. And then if you break apart the word COVID, it breaks down to co, which means all together, and vid, which is uh, to see. So, you know, so this is to see for all to see is what it means. So this is out there in public view for all to see. And this is on purpose because this is more of a programming tool than it is uh, per se a quote unquote deadly pandemic. Uh, so I, I, that's my take on it. This is, this is what I see. And we could look at the further encoding and Baldini, you broke down a couple numeric encodings right away out yeah. of the gate with this whole thing. Sure. And I mean, they tie to other other numeric encodings that actually go along with the whole timeline of this. And we'll get into that here too. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so, I mean, just using the very simplest stuff. So you had, you know, uh, Corona, which is English Ordinal 66. And when you do COVID-19, also English Ordinal 66, except for the reverse flow reduction comes out 44, which is, again, death's doors. So <clears throat> they're, um, they're, they're putting it in uh, all over the place. So, um, you know, with all the, the symbology from top to bottom, um, they've got this one covered. Oh, they sure do. And uh, let's look at the introduction of this thing, of how it all came about. Uh, let's take a look back. October 18th, 2019, uh, Johns Hopkins University, New York City. The uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, hosted an event there, along with the World Economic Forum, called Event 201. And uh, what this was is this was a training seminar uh, for a pandemic disease uh, in which about 130 guests attended, and it was by invitation only. And these were all uh, big movers and shakers in the business world and different uh, world governments. Uh, they attended this, this meeting there and this training exercise. And what was this training exercise about? I don't know if you guys looked into this or not, but uh, basically what this was is this was to si a simulation of a pandemic and lo and behold what did they choose as the simulated thing for this pandemic a coronavirus and i kid you oh. not and they even they even gave out stuffed toys of coronaviruses afterwards to commemorate this event this training event so that? what this simulation did when they ran this simulation of course you know hosted uh by johns hopkins university and funded by the bill and melinda gates foundation <coughs> eugenics um you know they uh they did this simulation where what they wound up with is it was an 18 month long simulation that they went through and at the end of it all 65 million people died in the simulation of this uh, pandemic event that they they were training for so we can look at some of just the general encodings there this first of all it took place on october 18th the 18 always encodes the 666 mm -hmm. uh, so there's that um 65 million people died that's adds up six and five to an 11 there's the casting of the spell right there um and you know when you move forward from the timing of this event it took place october 18th well on johns hopkins uh website 
you could look and see because I, I did the research and I looked into this. I was curious as to when the first case of this uh, new coronavirus was reported. And lo and behold, the first uh, event that happened uh, with this coronavirus happened on December 1st. Now, if you want to sit and figure out the number of days between October 18th, 2019 and December 1st, 2019, uh, just like magic, you'll come up with 44 days. Mm -hmm. So there's the death stores encoding again there, showing the intention out front as to what's going on. So what they're really, in fact, doing with this is they were trying to port over this simulation event into the real world through ritual magic. And that's basically what's been going on with it. Uh, and once again, the number 11 comes into play because where did this whole thing start? Wuhan, China, Wuhan. a city with a population of 11 million people. Mm. So there's the 11 again, porting over the 11 from the uh, 65 million uh, killed in the simulation event to the 11 million in Wuhan, China. Mm -hmm. So, and there's more parallels and more occultic things that go on that we will get into and we could cover here. But those are just some of your basic numerological breakdowns that you could see where these correlations are at. So, uh, 400, which is the Dean Koontz version, uh, again, uh, reverse ordinal to 72. So there's your 72 again. And you can see how all these things seem to tie together. So, uh, you know, this is. It's just when you have eyes to see and you look at this stuff, you, you can see just what it is they're doing. Now, in order to see what what's the end result they're looking for with all of this, okay? <clears throat> so this is what we're going to look at. What what kind of an end result do you think they're looking for? What, what's your thoughts on that, Baldini? Well, I've got um, two you know two opposing ideas right the first is you know i think the one that everybody's going with right now is that it, it's uh it's fear porn right and so they're trying to get people worked up and uh, to believe something scary uh and and do that and i think that um you know uh, we we all all of us who follow down the the truth stream um we we tend to look at everything and go poppycock right right from the right from the outset and so we we look at these things and immediately when you begin to see the way the news reports it it, it does look like it's poppycock the one thing that struck me different about this one uh, Wayne is that um and again so so here's my here's the opposing side so the the instinctive response is you know it's poppycock and it's um it's predictive programming uh for all ultimately uh, population reduction, as you'd see on the Georgia Guidestones. Uh, but when I look through the, the history of these and then we go back through, um, you know, all these different things that they claim that we're going to be, oh, my God, we're going to die from, you know, Ebola. We're going to die from Zika. Right. So if you look back at the Zika outbreak, in fact, if you go through the to a list of um, uh, even at the, the Wikipedia, right, the <clears throat> the CIA um, encyclopedia, uh, the the outbreak in uh, 20, 2015, 2016 of Zika. The, the total number um, of, of mortalities dead, they show as minus 53. <laughs> so um, I'm not sure what that means, but they have negative 53 <laughs> as the total number of dead. Well, the, the one thing that strikes me about this, right, is that with all of the um, – with, with all of these outbreaks, they – they gave us the big fear porn, like, oh my God, where everybody's gonna die. You gotta get your shot right now, right? And, hmm. and so they blew it up, and then there was nothing that happened, right? And so this takes me to the boy who cried wolf. Well, the thing about the boy, the boy who cried wolf, and that um, the morality tale there is, you know, the the story we're supposed to get is don't go saying things that aren't true because eventually no one will believe you. But ultimately, um, what I always point out is that the ultimately the wolf did come. 
right? And and nobody believed it. And this is this is what I find interesting with this one is that um, the media is uh, for all that's supposed to be happening, the media is kind of downplaying it a little bit. And um, uh, in, in respect to the other ones, I'm not saying that they're not covering it all, but in comparison to the other ones, they're they're sort of downplaying it. Um, and so uh, it, it does strike me as a possibility uh, that they could have been crying wolf on the other one so that everybody kind of yawns and goes yeah okay it's over there it's not mm-hmm. a big deal um and then uh because it does look so close to a biological weapon i mean there are four markers um that indicate that it's uh it's got aids markers in it for the hiv virus uh, and it also has uh, ebola markers uh, so according to an abstract that i read um from john hopkins uh, they explicitly said uh, that that is um, almost impossible to have um, migrate to have um, uh, manifested in nature. In other words, it is a it is a man-made weapon. Uh, so with it being um, again explicitly stated as being a biological warfare weapon, um, it is possible uh, that they are trying to sneak up on people with it. So so those are my, those are my thoughts. One moment before we continue there. Uh, somebody gave a super chat before we started and i don't know who it was because it didn't show up so thank you to whomever that was uh eric just gave us super chat for ten dollars thanks brother and he's asking i see this as a move to try to pass legislation in the future like another patriot act to be able to mass immunize us in the future with the next virus that they make up excuse me what are our thoughts any of that stuff is probably in the cards i think just about all of this stuff they're testing the waters to see, like, how far will people buy the nonsense? And, uh, you know, I think people are starting to get it. Unfortunately, the vast majority of people are still going to every single chain supermarket and Walgreens and CVS and getting their free flu shots and just believing the BS, unfortunately. But go ahead, whoever else wants to take that. By the oh, way, Wayne, yeah. I just redid the uh, NDI source thing. See if your camera will work now. All right, let's give it a shot here. Let's see. Come on, camera. Uh, let's see. Hello, camera. I think if you um, okay. watch the if you watch the narrative um, in the media and the way that the social programming is going, I don't, I don't think you can uh, argue against the idea that mandatory vaccinations are coming um, for for any of this stuff. So whether it's the whether it's this or any other, uh, mandatory vaccine vaccines are are coming. I don't see any any. Um, way around that yeah uh the other the other thing that goes with this uh the other aspect that goes with this is uh if you've been paying attention to what's going on uh, along with this what have we noticed is going on with this there's there's an unprecedented amount of quarantining of people isn't there yes and And i think that's also part of it well, at least that's what we're told, and and uh, the reports that you know I've heard is that some people have they've literally welded them in uh, to their apartment buildings. They literally welded the the doors shut. So um, that's a, a pretty telling thing. Whether they did or not, again with the Overton window, this um, brings into the idea of that we're supposed to accept this uh, as a typical government response uh, to this sort of thing. Is that they they have the right to um, you know to protect everybody else. They're going to have to. Um, you know, uh, take take over and take control, and so I, I think um, uh, that that's a that's certainly a concerning sign uh, from my point of view. Is that again they're um, they're normalizing these things as um, this is the, they have the right to do it in a uh, catastrophic situation. Um, that uh, you know w- when it when it push comes to shove, they're going to do what they need to do to quote save uh, people. 
Julia Pierce, thank right. you so much for the $10 super chat. She says thank you, and we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But anyway, just to go along uh, with what we're saying here, the uh, whole quarantine issue with it all, uh, this is definitely something that plays directly in with the, the occult aspect of this. Because when you look at the word origins of the word Wuhan, the city where it started, uh, Wu means gate of heaven and Han means to self-contain. So what they're trying <laughs> to do is, uh, yeah, it, it's encoded right in the name. This is what they're looking to do. They're quarantining things. They're, like th This is what the whole quarantine thing is about. That's why I say I think this is an integral part of what it is that they're looking to achieve with this whole scare with this virus is to give governments unprecedented uh, powers to just quarantine people or to, to, you know, to shut down entire cities. They shut down the entire city of Wuhan. Nobody was able to enter or exit. Uh, you know, airports are not letting people in. Uh, I actually saw something on Facebook uh, a couple days ago that said something to the effect of 10% of the world's population is now under quarantine because of this in one way, shape, or form. And I don't know how accurate that is, but that's the kind of stuff and the message that they're putting out with this. So uh, just like Baldini was alluding to, this is the move of the Overton window to try and acclimate people to this idea that, oh, well, there's this new scary disease, so we're going to cordon off your, your city or whatever if this happens there, and you better get your vaccination against it so that you're not a victim of this, so that, you know, you don't fall ill when your city gets shut down and you're locked in with the sickies, you know, because that's what it's that's what it's getting to. That, that's kind of the idea that they're trying to put across with this. And it, it's really kind of a disturbing uh, aspect to it. You know, it, don't forget that every time they do something like this that's considered a quote-unquote major event, they're taking little steps toward the final goal of absolute control. So no matter what's really going on here or not going on here, they're going to try and at least get something out of it. As we always say, move the Overton window just a little bit more. That's what the goal is. They they keep that window moving to uh, make things that, you know, would seem less attractive, more and more normalized for people. Uh, it's that's one of the one of the key things about the human condition that the controllers of this world are very familiar with. And this is the human ability to adapt. And they use this against us because we could pretty much adapt to any any type of a circumstance. Uh, and that that's something that they've learned to uh, utilize through time with this Overton window concept. Like, so you begin to accept this as something normal and you adapt to it and change your behavior because of it. And lo and behold, that's you go along to get along. And this is a part of human nature that's very well understood by the powers that be. And they use it against us all the time. I mean, it's 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 everywhere. It's all in the social programming of well, if you um, if you aren't aware and you think that this uh, I, I assume that, uh, you know, again, we, we don't want to assume, but um, it presumptively that most of our audiences, um, you know, in the United States or um, at least, you know, Western countries, part of the five eyes um, here in the United States, the um, the new federal regulations for um, the uh, isolation and quarantine rules went into effect in March of 2017. Um, and if you are not aware, um, the federal government does have um 
quote, police power um, to quarantine or to do whatever is necessary, authorized to take measures to prevent uh, the spread of communicable diseases um, up to and including they can um, detain um in, in, you know, they can uh, detain anybody um, they want. Um, let's see, I was just like checking here uh, as necessary um, to investigate whether the cause of the illness um, uh, so is uh, communicable, and they can basically do whatever they want. So, uh, enforcement of the, from the federal government, uh, who's in charge? Basically, the federal government um, is in, in control of the whole thing. The CDC, along with FEMA, uh, takes uh, control. Uh, and uh, there's not really a thing you can do. U.S. Uh, Customs and Border would shut down the border if they decided, um, you know, what they wanted to do there. But um, there are specific laws um, in, in place. But ultimately, as I look through these, um, there is um, there is no recourse. Um, if the government decided uh, that you were under quarantine, um, there really is not a you could claim that you're the national man and you're not subject to these. Um, they are not going to, um, uh, I, I don't think that you would get your day in court on that one. They're going to, they're going to, um, make you do what they want you to do. Rocky is asking if what? Uh, you all mean... three of us are on the idea that the coronavirus is fake. I don't know if it's necessarily fake. Like there could be a flu. And when you have a very limited gene population, a gene pool, like, um, like the Asians have in their respective areas something that works on them it's going to spread quick and hard so that's why you see things like that happen but when you have like massive diverse genetic backgrounds like you do in the united states it's a lot harder to target anything so that's why they have to do the mass panic to get everybody shooting themselves up with something because we're going to get you no matter what we're going to get you to do it to yourself we have to if the question is does everybody think it's fake i mean i don't think then um, this is Baldini speaking. This is my thoughts. I don't think the virus itself is a fake. I think there is a um, uh, a biological weapon, whatever they want to name it. Um, I think it is real. Now, what what's happening? Is that fake? Well, my take is always whatever they tell you is happening. It's not that. So wh- whatever's going on, um, they're not um, they're not telling you the truth. So I would say we don't know um, precisely what's going on. But again, here's here's the other one. Here's what I want to point out again is uh, again, I don't want to raise any alarm, but just food for thought. Right. You, you just want to I don't want to dismiss anything out of hand um, that the last time there was a national U.S. quarantine, a federal uh, federally mandated quarantine uh, was in the, quote, Spanish flu epidemic. And if you look closely into the Spanish flu, almost certainly there, there's a, an enormous body of evidence that says it, it was not a, the Spanish flu as a cover up and what it really was, um, was, uh, again, an attempt. It was, it came out of, um, immunizations from, uh, soldiers in trench fighting. Uh, so the, um, uh, when the army, um, gave people immunizations, they developed this in horses. Uh, and what happened was it, uh, un- unintended consequences. <clears throat> uh, they, uh, came up, they had this deadly plague and they blamed it on Spanish flu that went worldwide, but it really coincided with the return home of these soldiers. So the last time the federal uh, quarantine was mandated was uh, during this pandemic in 1918, 1919. And if you go back and look, uh, pretty much every hundred years, um, they uh, <clears throat> uh, they break out one of these uh, major there, there's been a, a major epidemic every hundred years, and the last one being 1918, 1919. Well, we're now at 2020, so um, just food for thought. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm saying um, that. Um, you know, um, just make a note of it if right. we're running the numbers. 
Frank Vitucci, thank you for the 999 super chat. Don't see any questions though. Hit us up, brother, if you want to talk about something. Wayne, did I cut you off? No, no, no we're all good yep. here. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the problem when you get a couple guys like us on. You know, none of us know how to shut the hell up. So, <laughs> you know, we'll just keep on talking no matter what's going on. So, Jeez, it's terrific. Uh, but. It's so... <laughs> I always feel really bad when but, I do when I do a topic with Jason, and I, I I'm going and going and going, and he's like, "Hey, oh, oh yeah, sorry." Yeah, that happens. But, Manifest magical. Yeah, Thank you for the two dollars super chat. Today's empires, tomorrow's ashes. Well, unfortunately, that's a distinct possibility. I think the idea is that we don't want that to happen. <laughs> indeed. No, we do not want that to happen, and that's why we care so much and why we do stuff like this. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. But uh, anyway, back to the topic at hand. Yeah, uh, there there's always this scare of pandemic going on, and, you know, as Baldini alluded to, the Spanish flu, uh, you know, which was attributed to the Spanish flu, uh, this could be correlated back to uh you know immunizations really uh that never goes on right that wouldn't go on today you know just because they may have done something like that back then they wouldn't do that now would they governments and you know and in you know intelligence agencies they would never do anything bad like governments that. don't lie or, or, Come on, Wayne. no i know i know and they only have your best interest in mind they just have your health in mind only you know, that's why they that's why they hit you up with all these different uh, substances and stuff with this that really aren't necessary to put in there. But, uh, you know, it, it it makes the immune response more hardy against it. So, you know, that's why it's there. But at any rate, what would I know about that? Uh, but to, to get on with things here, uh, another aspect of this whole uh, coronavirus thing going on is it, it it echoes a lot of the same sentiments that came about with the whole scare with the SARS and uh, you know the other ones and the Zika like you mentioned Ebola that kind of stuff uh, all this uh, hype and stuff media hype about it and nothing ever came of it and once again that invokes the idea of the boy who cried wolf because at some point I think that's what they're gearing up for is they're gonna do these things and have it come to nothing until one day they finally decide to unload whatever biological weapon this is on the on the masses and let it roll and then when people are out there saying ah, it's fake it's fake it's you know it's just scare it's just to sell more medicines and vaccines and stuff like that and then people will really start dropping in the streets with it so i, I mean it's it's something we have to be weary of not to scare anybody but uh, you know, I'm sure they have some kind of an end game like that in mind with it, because why would they keep just pushing nonsense? So, uh, you know, at some point they, they have a plan that they want to bring to fruition with it. Rocker Chick, thank you for the 1499 Super Chat. She says, appreciate everyone here tonight. And we appreciate you and everyone. Thank you. Uh, Dai is asking if... Uh, what we're talking about is pandemics and because there was no info in the title. Well, I didn't put any info in the title on purpose so that it didn't get pulled. And I'm trying to keep this channel open and slowly but surely build it up because they love to smack people down when you start putting things like that in titles. I don't use hashtags or anything like that anymore. I stopped doing that because I learned my lesson the hard way. So, yeah, I picked a title that uh, was ambiguous enough. And, yes, we're, gonna, we're talking about all the different uh, – 
I like to call it fear porn because I think that's what it is. Um, now, if you want real fear porn, maybe Alex Jones is screaming his head off about how real this is. But <laughs> frogs, uh, frogs, they're gaying up the frogs. But yeah, well, that's what we're talking about. Just so you know. Well, you know, in the chat, Georgia boy notes that um, Spanish flu did kill 50 million people. Well, something did. Um, they again, they called it the Spanish flu. Um, for, for my money, um, it wasn't uh, a, a flu virus at all. Uh, it was um, uh, it was immunization um, gone wrong. It was early attempts at immunization uh, that came from they were trying to um, put three or four different uh, types of um, immunization uh, antibodies within horses. Um, and they had um, very little experience with it. Um, there's a there's a, a, a bunch of information um, that you can find if you want to do the research for yourself. Don't, don't listen to me. Don't trust me. Uh, but but uh, I do. Um, I lean toward uh, it was not a flu virus at all um, that uh, the pandemic of um, uh, 1915 through 1919 manifest magical. Thank you for the $5 and he or she, I'm not sure uh, which that would be says best conference to hold crow secrets of Saturn, Marty leads, Matt Landman, truth stream, truth stream media. And um, truth stream media is that uh, Aaron and is it Melissa Dykes? Is that who that is? I, I don't remember. If it is, I like most of their work. Uh, I've never even attempted to try and get a hold of them to even to say hello because they've got so much going on. I would probably be one of a zillion emails they get in a day. But if, if anybody knows how to get in touch with them and wants to hook us up, uh, I'm always down for chatting with people. And I, I do like the majority of their work. So, yeah, we are planning other stuff, by the way. Just to throw this out here like I did when I was on with Jaron and David on Monday on, on uh, their show. I now own two top-of-the-line Bose L1 systems. I can do any size conference we could possibly want at this point. Plus, I have all the wireless systems and a big screen and a video projector. Like, I have everything to put on any kind of thing we would want to do. So if anybody wants to try and plan something and has resources to put into it, locations, whatever, and you think people will go, I'm all about it. I am all about it, so let me know. My email is secretsofsaturn at gmail.com. But I know how to run all the gears, so that's gonna that takes out a huge worry that most people who do these sorts of things have in the first place, being an audio-video guy. So there you have it. I'll throw that out there for anybody, because most people don't know how to do that stuff. Even if they know how to do stuff on computers, they don't know how to do live sound, and I do, so... All right, carrying on. Aaron and Melissa, yeah, there you go. Yeah, they are very good at what they do, for the most part. I, I, I think they're kind of Bible-beaten Christians, if I had to be honest, and that's not really my thing, but that doesn't mean mean they're bad people or I can't agree with the, the really good research and work they put out. I can't I hear believe you? both oh, Wayne and Baldini then. got quiet. That never happens. By the way, I have no <laughs> idea why Wayne's camera keeps jumping around like that. I, I keep try, I keep fixing it. I keep trying to reset the sources and everything. And I, I'm just going to be happy he's on the screen in the first place now because it finally locked on to his Skype stream. But it just keeps, I don't know what the hell it's doing, doing the do -si -do. I don't know. I find it amusing. It has <laughs> it me funny. I just like, the screen, yeah, whatever. So I don't know. It's, you know and it's just yours. Mine's sitting in the same bit. place where I put it. And I don't know any other way to make it change between the speakers, like somebody asked me that in the chat room. I don't think you can do that. And if if there's higher functions to OBS, I don't know them yet. I, I'm, I've only been using this program since the first live stream we did. So I'm happy I got it to look this cool. Uh, Matthew Ross, thank you for the New Zealand $10. 
He says, hello. So how do you, how do they get around the cause and effect? They seem to do whatever they want. Are you referring to the karmic thing? Well, that usually they tell us ahead of time. Didn't Dean Coots tell us ahead of time that there's going to be a Wuhan virus? Yeah, that's what I go with. This is what I call the karmic shrug or the revelation of the method is that they, uh, they tell you uh, ahead of time. Now, they don't put it out in um, – uh, they don't make it obvious. They they bury it in you know truth in the movies, lies in the news. They they bury it in um, television shows and um, novels like the Dean Koontz novel. Um, they put enough space in there to proximity to be plausible de- deniability. But they do say it, and they, and they they you know put it in jokes. They make it funny, um, or they make it um, science fiction. Um, uh, so yeah, um, karmic shrugging is what I call it. Um, that's that's the way what I think they do. Yeah, yeah, not only that, I would also, I, I agree with that, but I also think that they they may do something else as well. I mean, you, you hear of things like uh, the whole Bohemian Grove thing and the cremation of care right. uh, ceremony that they do there every year. They, they may do rituals like this every year, too, to uh, try and, uh, you know, work around these karmic principles. Uh, does it really work? I don't think it does 100%. I, don't think, it does. I think at some point you have to pay the piper. I, so, I agree. You know, I don't for the things that you do. I don't think that they get um, away with it at all. Personally, um, I think that they they believe that they do, and I think they're um, from everything that I can tell, they're following a set of rules um, that uh, they believe um, apparently very um, religiously, if you want to put it that way, uh, mm-hmm. that, um, that they believe very very intently in what they're doing. Um, but um, are they going to get away with it? I don't think so. I think they're going to they're going to pay the piper, as as Wayne said, uh, ultimately. Um, but they're they're doing what they want. They have the they have power. But um, to me, it's temporal power. Um, it's going to be taken away. That's the way that's the way I see it. Good God, look at Prince Philip. It looks like the darkness is eating him from the inside out. I mean, he looks great for a dead guy. What you- uh, oh my God, that guy looks like he—he's sh- the one who should have been cast as Emperor Palpatine. I mean, oh my God, every time I see a picture of him, I'm like, whoa. Have you seen Bill Clinton lately? Him too. Yeah, well, he's looking. He was looking bad, bad when I saw him at the last presidential stuff in 2016. I was like, damn, what sure. what children have you been eating? Right. And, I mean, <laughs> roasting yeah, you on take- a spit in your front room. Like, what are you doing, man? Take a look at at any of those folks. Um, you know, Soros, um, Kissinger, Henry Soros Kissinger. They, oh, they do, Kissinger, man. But yeah. they're still alive is the creepy thing. I mean, even David Rockefeller made it to 100 and something. What was 101 or 103 or something like that he made it to? So, I mean, and, and again, I don't I don't find that um, their longevity is um, natural at, at all. Uh, <laughs> it is right? unnatural. It is, unna- it is unnatural. And. <laughs> Uh, I think the evidence the evidence is certainly there. Again, I can't make any any claims of uh, positive proof, but uh, from from what I view, um, that's my take on it. Right? I I have a what I call it. You know, look at the preponderance of evidence, and from what I see, um, the, these you know people have a belief system, uh, and they're following that belief system very closely. And again, they have a uh, an enormous amount of um, power and influence over the world currently. Um, and so that's, again, that's why I watch closely and that's what I do, what I do in, in terms of, um, research and paying attention is, um, is to keep, keep an eye on it, right? I can't, um, go out and stop 
stop them, but I certainly can stop them from influencing me. Um, so, um, you know, I, I don't fall uh, prey or victim to the, any of the fear porn or any of the belief systems that they do. Uh, and I, you know, I'm not hugely evangelistic in, in my beliefs. I don't run around trying to convince anybody, but I certainly uh, don't mind, you know, sharing my thoughts on it and, and keeping an eye on things. So, um, yeah, they, they have an enormous amount of power, but but not over me. All right. Same here. And that leads me to my next question. Uh, just what the hell is Betty White into? <laughs> Man, you have no idea with Hollywood what the hell they're into. <laughs> no, you don't. So, no, you see that you see that with, with humor. But I mean, I, my, you know, again, my take on it well, is I'm that anybody, <laughs> anybody uh, beyond a certain threshold um, if you're aware of them in the news, um, if they're uh, a celebrity or a person of any um, of any sort that way, if you know about, um, they're, they're in the game uh, at one level or another. So uh, to me, I don't think there's any, quote, heroes. There's no one that's not compromised. Um, they, um, If they're there, they're there for a reason. Uh, the, I don't... Um, I don't believe that any of the um, the people who are in charge uh, allow for any um, loose cannons, uh, any random events. They they don't play that game, so they're they're not going to let anybody um, ruin their game or or um, uh, loose lips sink ships. They're they're not playing that at all. Anybody past a certain level is is absolutely compromised. Baldini, uh, what are you calling a belief system? Eric wants to know. What am I calling a belief system? Well, um, in terms of these people, the they, uh, what I consider a belief system, is um, a, a type of religion. I mean, from from my perspective, um, there there are, a, you know, I mean, it would take a moment to kind of explain, but there are a whole bunch of different camps, and each camp has their own way of doing it. Um, so whether that be the Rosicrucians, or whether that be the the Masonic group, or whether that be um, you know Jesuits or whatever, uh, they have their own. Um, you know, I say belief system. They they have their own way of doing things. Ultimately, I think they all serve the same masters, whether they know it or not. Uh, so that allows them, because they're siloed and because um, it is, um, you know, diverse uh, camps. Um, those who are playing them can even play them against one another. Uh, there was um, a couple of hundred years where the, the Jesuits and the Masons were um, supposedly enemies, and uh, I think the people at the top of both of those groups um, probably knew better. But I think the rank and file believed it. They were, you know, fighting against one another. Um, but ultimately, they all served the same master. So whether whether it's um, straight up Luciferianism, whether it's um, you know like they do out of Bohemian Grove, whether whether it's uh, any of these types of um, uh, ideologies, um, when I say belief system, I think some of them are very religious in their undertakings, and some of them are um, more like OTO, um, so uh, Ordo Templi Orientis. So um, when I say belief systems, to, to, for, from my perspective, what I'm talking about is um, that they um, they have a very strict religious. Uh, it's it's not random. Right. So um, it would be if you, were, you know, play Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, they would be the lawful evil. <laughs> mm. Right. That's that's the way that um, that's the way I see it. You know, I think most of it, uh, not at the highest level, of course, but I think the majority of it flows through the Vatican. I think all roads still lead to Rome. Maybe not like 100 percent, but I think the vast majority of it is because no matter what, you always see everything leading back to them and no matter which little sect we're talking about, like you mentioned, Rosicrucians or Freemasons or this or that, they're all doing some sort of ritualistic thing 
it's all symbolic in some way, shape, or form. They just have different ways of doing it. But it all seems to be under the control of the Vatican, and that includes, of course, uh, most of the royalty through, through the decades, through the centuries, because most of them were appointed, were they not, by the Vatican? <laughs> Yeah, I think that the Vatican still is a, a major player. I, I, I don't know um, whether or not they are the ultimate. I think um, for mo in most ways they believe they are, or at least they have set themselves up to be. Um, for a long period of time, certainly they were. Uh, again, I don't um, ultimately think that they that they are, but um, it I don't know exactly what the hierarchy of the uh, of the the dark players are exactly. I know who some of the players are. Um, I don't necessarily need to get close enough um, to. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to infiltrate them uh, to to know for certain. I can smell it per pretty easily. But yes, I I agree that they're um, they got their fingerprints on almost everything to be sure. Right. No doubt about it. And and the thing is, when you start looking into this research, this line of research uh, with the secret societies, it's it's all very nebulous. And this is uh, kind of uh, why uh, uh, certain researchers have, have termed this the the quote unquote, the octopus. Mm -hmm. uh, I octopus. think it was Estuan, Daniel Estuan, that came up with that term first. Yeah. But uh this this is this is what this whole system is. I mean, because all of these different secret societies at the topmost levels, they all inter relate they overlap mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of members that from all these different uh, secret societies and stuff that are the movers and shakers at the top of the power structure at all of them and this is where the idea of the quote-unquote illuminati comes in because this is the secret society behind the secret societies so mm -hmm. th these are the ones at the top of the power structure that that really kind of uh you know plant the seeds in the different secret societies to get things done. So sure, uh, even though they all have their different flavor, uh, it's all, you know, it's controlled from the same small group at the top. Now, mm -hmm. it's it's kind of hard to say who exactly this is, but there are a lot of fingerprints all over the uh, the Jesuit order as far as a lot of this goes that I've seen. Yeah, and sure, and this is what we have as the Pope now. Right, yep. he, who is a Jesuit, right? The first black pope who <laughs> is the pope. And who isn't supposed to be the pope? The Jesuits. A Jesuit is not supposed to be the <laughs> it's pope. Right in, it's right in the mandate. Yeah, it's that's not supposed to happen, but it did. Yeah, yeah and it's, I mean, this is why... What, what Wayne was saying is, um, you know, the intertwining, especially at the top levels, and this is why you see the crossover, for example, people like Aleister Crowley, uh, who um, became an honorary, immediately honorary 33rd degree Mason, right? They threw him right up to the very top um, without having gone through any of the steps. And I mean, that that should be a, a clear indicator, um, you know, that uh, that they're interconnected uh, and intertwined is that he skipped all the steps and went straight to the top. So um, clear indication that they they all uh, are different fruits from the same tree. Right. And just as an interesting point of history, Baldini, do you know who founded the Jesuit order? Uh, yeah, it's um, <laughs> if you had to ask me, I would tell you his name. Um, <laughs> what's it? Uh, yeah. The Ignatius Loyola. Loyola. Yeah. I forgot his yeah, name right. too, but I, I we we did an episode yep. on it on Crouchable Sun yeah, Radio. Not, it's, it's not Saint exactly. Ignatius Loyola. Saint yes, Ignatius. But, uh, he's the one that founded that that founded the Jesuit order. And when he founded it originally, before they were actually called uh, the Jesuits or the Society of Jesus, because yeah, the Pope go. changed the name of them, uh, they were known as Los Olembrados, which translates literally from Spanish as the Illuminati. That's the Jesuits. Oh, okay, just as an interesting point, 
just as an interesting point of history for people. You could look this up. This is mainstream history. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, yeah. So this is what we're talking about. St. Ignatius yeah, Loyola founded this group called Los Olombrados, and uh, the Pope didn't think that sounded uh, churchy enough, I guess. So uh, because he mandated them to work for him. He called them the Society of Jesus, which later got turned into, uh, you know, the just si- simplified and shortened as the Jesuits. So uh, they have nothing to do with Jesus, by the way, folks. But, uh, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I was trying to remember his, his original name because Ignatius Loyola wasn't his um, given name or his, you know, Christian name, quote unquote. He was a Spaniard. Uh, and so I just looked it up real quick. And I, now I remember why I thought it was so interesting, because he was Inigo. Uh, as in Inigo Montoya. Uh, not kidding. So, yeah, he, he was the youngest. He was killed by father. He was the youngest of, of 13 you children. fingers on your right hand? Mm. <laughs> so, but yeah, he was a, he was a, wanted to be military. And so he, he got into the military and then got hurt. Uh, and so yeah. uh, wasn't able to continue. And he felt, um, he felt gypped by that. So, that's the entire um, basis of the Jesuits as a military order, uh, and yet right. so, his whole. So then he, so, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, so but, then, when he couldn't actually do the military thing, he went into the intelligence field. Exactly. Yeah, and his the Another whole crossover. the whole um, uh, the way that they do it, the breaking down of the person, uh, and then. Um, Having you uh, follow orders as if by a corpse, right? Um, that that entire um, uh, medium, the, the way that it's done, is the very basis of um, U.S. military boot camps. Um, and there have been many, many um, uh, systems, including um, the, the SS in Germany, which were um, modeled directly after the Jesuit order. Uh, so it's a uh, it, it is um, long been uh, suspected, and again, if you if you read about it um, and read about his um, his ventures in the cave there, and he spent all this time, uh, you know, in meditation, uh, and then um, met, supposedly met um, uh, an angelic figure, <clears throat> um, but um, the angel of darkness basically is what it what it looks like. It it would um, it, it would seem to indicate that uh, you know he he had a supernatural natural experience that uh and you know he claimed to have revelation um to tell him how to do all these things and it and, and it apparently was so um uh, so successful it's been used now for you know the better part of 500 years so oh i got a good one here for us brian thank you for the 25 dollars super chat he says hey jason and wayne and baldini love your guys work curious what your thoughts are on the gender confusion that seems to be being pushed in all the movies magazines etc right now thanks so much well, that's a topic I've wanted to tackle on numerous <laughs> occasions. As a matter of fact, I want to do I a whole really show. Um, just to throw this out there, if anybody knows him, I really want to do a whole show on this stuff with all of the major intellectual properties with Gary from Nerdrotic, but he stopped answering me back on emails. So if I offended him by accident, I apologize. Please get back to me. I would love to do a show and open you up to a whole other audience uh, to help you as much as help us. Uh, because you you hit on this stuff, you get it, dude. So you're somebody that uh, I think in the whole fandom menace thing that would be uh, great to partner up with for a show. But anyway, that stuff is going on left and right, totally like crazy. It absolutely is about gender confusion. It's it's part of the eugenics thing. Uh, it's part about tearing down masculinity and manhood because if you don't have any strong men to fight back, then who's going to fight your wars for you against the bad guys? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's confusion at all. And in, in fact, when I first I um, saw the, <laughs> yeah, right. When I first saw the the transgen the transgender, um, it, you know, the first couple of times, you know, people get really, as with many of the rabbit holes, right? People kind of get um, uh, a little obsessive about some of it, right? And they're like, everybody, that's a dude, that's a dude, uh, <laughs> you know. And so you're like, oh boy, uh, yeah, but you know, like, is. <laughs> like many, but you know, as it turns out, like many of the oh. conspiracies, right? You you kind of blow them off to begin with. You're like, okay, whatever, and then you start looking into it. And, and for me, it turned out it was less um, some of the physical evidence, although some of it's pretty compelling. But go again, going back and looking at the beliefs of um, of the people at the top and um, their whole uh, idea of um, androgyny uh, as the union of man and um, and woman uh, together, uh, they they believe that that's a sort of apotheosis. And so, uh, when it comes to the idea of child sacrifice, when faced with the idea of, of sacrificing your child, either their life or their gender, to turn them into a, a trans um, at a young age, I can easily see that, that many of these people would, um, that would be a, a, an easy decision to make, that they would um, sacrifice their, their child on the on the uh, altar of uh, androgyny uh, to serve the Baphomet. And then when I look very closely at it, I think it's quite possible. Don't, don't, um, don't say that Baldini said that, that this is true, but I'm saying it's quite possible. As I look back, in the last 120 years, I think it's um, more than plausible uh, that nearly every uh, major uh, pinup queen has been um, transgender. Uh, that that everyone that they set up as being um, uh, lusted after by men um, is a, a sick, twisted version uh, of getting men to, to lust after men, whether they know it or not. And and most royalties, uh, almost every royal family in Europe has had at least one in every generation uh, trans um, person in it, as far as I can tell. So, um, yes, I went from going, oh, brother, uh, to now uh, every time uh, I see it on TV or even print ads, I go, that's that that's possibly a dude um and uh it's it's everywhere it, it it's it's shocking so yeah you i think it's keep very... in mind it's not necessarily that all of them aren't because i think some people take it too far this is just yep. my opinion but you have to consider the possibility that hey that hot girl that you're drooling over yeah, might have a package but well, or or did at one time or did I at think one time any, right you, I think you never any know. Of them... they, they could be transitioning they could be doing whatever but here's the thing I, they've been spending them, yeah. years getting all these crazy fruit loop types to take over mainstream media get them in everything get them in hollywood i mean it, it's just full of it and these people really do believe the crap that they're pushing out and they they've do. allowed these nut jobs to, like, like the, the one of the great examples i always use is what's been done to star wars they let this woman Kathleen Kennedy in charge. They put her in charge of all of Lucasfilm. And the first thing she did is start talking about massive feminism. That she started hiring all these all these women, all this stuff that all these people had no experience with any of it. And it's, it's you see the results of it. The Star Wars fandom is divided. They they a Star Wars movie lost money. I mean, you want to talk about poisoning the chalice that kept being refilled. This one yeah. woman made decisions over the course of the past however many years now since Disney bought Lucasfilm and has just drugged that property down to the point that it's kind of a joke now. Of course, it's the, there's still a lot of people who love it, but it's not It's not what it should be or could be with the massive money machine and media machine that Disney is. Oh, my God. I mean, think about what Star Wars, if you want to just use them as an example, what it could be if it was being done right. Yeah, did we say yeah. Lucasfilm or Lucifer? 
Oh, George Lucifer Lucas. film? Yeah. And the same thing's being done to Doctor Who. They took it and flipped it, and they didn't just cast a woman in a, in a, a role that was always male for over 50 years. They also turned the episodes from good sci-fi into schoolhouse rock. Like they just, every episode is about teaching a lesson after school specials nonsense. And they didn't even pick a good actress on top of it. She's, she's very mediocre at best. So they couldn't even sell it really well with the gender flip because they didn't even do it well. It's almost like they sabotaged it themselves without even realizing it. Or maybe it's on purpose. Who the hell knows? Uh, I don't think that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a, on accident. I think, um, as we discussed before, I don't I don't think money is the, is the primary um, motivation these days in, in these franchises. That it's uh, it's well, about it can't be. the brand. It can't be. They've poisoned the chalices of all of these yeah. things. Yeah. You know, Star so, Trek's another one. Uh, Star Trek with, with modern effects. I mean, uh, what's a good example? The Lord of the Rings, when it came out, was not perfect, but was exceptionally well done. Mm -hmm. And the effects for the time did it justice. And why was that? Because the person behind it, for the most part, did a pretty damned good job of translating them. He made some creative decisions that not everybody agreed with. But overall, those movies stand up today because most of the decisions made were really good. And now... Think about the fact that The Fellowship of the Ring is almost 20 years old, and you can watch it and, and still go like, damn, that's a pretty, pretty awesome-looking movie, acted movie, like everything was cast well, all of that. So that's the, that's the where you could do something right in, mo in modern Hollywood when the right people are making decisions, or you could have Kathleen Kennedy trying to say that the force is female. Uh, Matthew Ross donated five New Zealand dollars and asking, why are they pushing the vegan diet? Um, I don't know. Matthew, why do you think they're pushing um, the vegan diet? <laughs> you can put it in the chat. Um, Wayne, what do you think about uh, the vegan diet becoming a, um, a bigger thing? I, I have uh, thoughts, but you go. Uh, my thoughts on the whole vegan diet thing. I think this is uh, an archetype that, that harkens back uh, to... Uh, the ancient times, uh, the, the old times uh, back in uh, the very beginnings of written history, and it harkens back to the story of Cain and Abel. So uh, I, that's what my view is on it. And uh, we may do a show in the future about this uh, on Crow 777. We've talked about it before because there, there's a lot involved with this whole thing, and there's definitely an agenda at play with it. Uh, and I think it does harken back to this, this allegorical tale uh, of you know the 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 twins the the twin brothers and that's that's uh, you know a, a fact that's lost on a lot of people is uh, Cain and Abel were twins and yeah. a lot a lot of people don't realize that you're going with the esoteric uh, right yes so uh, yeah I mean so I, I think this this plays a heavy role into it whether you believe in that or not uh, you know re regardless of that. This is kind of, uh, you know, what the, the people in positions of power uh, see it as. And I think this is this definitely plays a role with it. I think that has everything to do with that. And we may explore that sometime in the future. So Sure. And as you say, um, Wayne, I, I think it has um, a lot less to do with what we believe and very much more to do with what they believe uh, because they're the ones pushing the agenda. Um, right. in, ter in terms of the, the vegan agenda, one of the one of the plays that I see on it is that um, it's it's another attempt at uh, divide and conquer. 
Um, one of the things that I see, whether it's within the truth community or whether it's within any community or or just people, um, is is that uh, they're really ramping up the um, polarization um, of people where uh, if you don't believe the the way that I do, um, not only can we not be friends, but you're a scum. Uh, And and you'll see this, um, a lot of uh, opprobrium thrown around from from vegans uh, onto meat eaters that you're just, you're scum and you're horrible people if you you eat meat. you see the same thing from people who um, believe, um, uh, you know, in flat Earth that they they call people, you know, baltards and uh, globe tards. Now, um, some people, you know, um, that are um, globe zealots do behave that way, um, but but keep in mind for those who believe in the flat Earth that that you once did as well, right? So, um, uh, but but um, I think that it has a, a very much to do with um, the idea of control and controlling what other people do with their bodies. Um, so the the idea of um, if uh, veganism, they're pushing off this idea that um, it's kind of a self-righteous uh, thing. Again, I'm not I'm not bashing anybody who's vegan. If you want to do that for your health, that's that's fine. Um, but but I have this joke that goes, you know how to tell if somebody's vegan? Oh, they'll tell you. They, they'll, <laughs> they absolutely will. They will absolutely <laughs> tell you. Right. So you don't uh, even have to ask. It doesn't even have to be anything pertinent to what you're talking about. It that's what I'm. Oh, by the way, I'm vegan. That's what I'm saying. Is you know how to tell? They'll, this is more tell like you. I'm vegan. Yeah, they're they're I'm gonna vi- tell you. I want a soy latte. Uh, yeah, even okay. even if they're mute, um, their farts will tell you, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Pulling back from that, though, here's the thing: everything that's pushed, like you got to remember that there there's like an all there's an umbrella thing here. Let's put it this way, and it's called divide and conquer. It doesn't matter if you see it being pushed as a mainstream narrative because that stuff is controlled from the top down. There's only like five or six corporations. I forget which I haven't looked at it in a while where they're disseminating everything to everything else. When you look, most major companies are owned by another company and it keeps going up and up and up and smaller and smaller. So you have a small group of people giving orders that gets disseminated out to lots of corporations. The media, if it's being pushed in the media, it's there for a reason. Now yep. you're hearing about veganism. Why? Because there's a lot of meat eaters. Yeah, because there's there's an agenda, right? Die and hard. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and so this is you're you're exactly saying what what I was saying, Jason, is that it, it is a, a matter of um, divide and conquer and control. All right. And and so I'll get back to the the thing that I often say is that um, people don't have ideas. Ideas have people. Um, they they develop. Uh, these ideas uh, and then push them and program them into people and people adopt them uh, and uh, then push for them themselves. And uh, I see it over and over is um, once an an idea gets floated out there in the media, I can count on um, there's about a half a dozen people I know that uh, show up on, on Facebook. Right. And and as soon as it shows up in the media, they are the first ones to throw it out there. um, Like they're the, they're the evangelist for it. And, and so you can tell these people, for example, if you get a, quote, you know, bang, bang event somewhere. Um, they're the first ones to go Austin strong or Boston strong, whatever. They're, they're the first ones into it. If there's any sort of um, uh, mainstream narrative being pushed, they they are the first ones to jump on it and start beating the gong. Uh, so they're like fully programmed. So these, they don't have ideas. The ideas have them. They, they're like a, a conduit um, and, and like a blank slate, I see this over and over uh, that that people get really wound up in it, and so it's a it's a kind of um, 
um, virtue signaling uh, to, to be, you know, to, to wear that that wool coat, I guess. Uh, so so it's an interesting um, it is an interesting uh, development uh, that I see now is that um, it is a kind of virtue signaling for people to be as um, for some people to, to be as tied into the media as as is humanly or transhumanly possible. There's the key term, transhumanly and transhumanism. That is what it's all about. Even going back to the whole transgender question, uh, that's that's my take on it. This is uh, one step of the Overton window away from transhumanism. And that's the reason behind the whole push uh, for the whole transgender theme. So, you know, dude looks like a lady. Uh, somebody should write a song about that. Um, <laughs> I think they did. <laughs> By the way, someone, so, uh, but, Cody in the chat room is saying if veganism is so bad that it should be easy to prove scientifically without all the ad hominem attacks and strong opinions. I don't hear that from these shows much. Well, I'm vegetarian, and that was by choice because it bothered me enough on, in a spiritual way that I just didn't want death coming <laughs> into my body. But I'm not obsessed with it that I won't eat cheese or milk or anything like that, even though I know that could come from a more ethical kind of place. And I just say, do you, man, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. I think you can survive off of anything as long as you're getting proper nutrition. I, I'm with, I'm down with that. I mean, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, you, you know, again, you, you do you. And if it makes you happy, that's great. Um, right. I, I, the problem I have is when other people try to tell me or try to tell others um, how they should or must do things. And I, that's, for me, it's the same thing with political correctness. If you want to, um, pretend that that somebody is a unicorn or a, or a penguin. That's fine. You you do that. But telling me that I have to, uh, and then I, I'm uh, uh, I'm going to get uh, convicted of a hate crime uh, because I, I, I'm I don't um, comport to I, I don't uh, encourage somebody's um, uh, delusion uh, that they're a unicorn or a or, you know or or a camel. Um, you're not going to tell me that I have to call them that. Um, it's I'm here um, to speak truth and only truth. And, and it, w when you insist that I say something other than truth, that's when we're going to have a problem. So if you insist uh, that I can only eat a certain way, if you insist that I can only speak a certain way or think a certain way, um, then we're going to have a problem and I'm going to push back against that. So um, I, I have no problem with people being vegan. It, it, it's a, an easy target for jokes, I think. Um, again, because some of them are so fanatical in their in their beliefs and their um, uh, that they insist that other people do it. Um, but uh, in any case, uh, yeah, it's like um, that's the the only place I'm going to have a problem. You have every right to to do what you want. You can swing your arms until those arms start to hit me, and then we're going to have a problem. Well, you're only saying all that because you're just a big unicornophobe. So <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm a unicornophobe. Stay away from me with that with that single horn, bro. <laughs> yeah, that just that brings up another point. Just just the way that they could make anything into a form of victimization, you know, uh, claim that you're something that you're not, and then when people you know call you out on it, then you're the victim all of a sudden. So it, it's just one of those things, you know. It's it, it, just another control system, another another way to to try and silence people. Uh, you know, to, to quell free speech, because that's that's what it's about when when it comes down to it. It's it's just another divide and conquer move and to try and shut you up and keep you in line. So 
you know, they, they, they divide us on any of these grounds that they can find to divide us on, whether it's the whole vegan thing versus meat eater thing. It's it's a control system when it comes down to it. It's the whole Hegelian dialectic, but but just played in a different way from just a, a different vantage point. Uh you know, playing two different sides against each other on this thing. As far as veganism goes, hey, if that's your thing and you could do it and you want to do it, that's good for you. You do that. But uh, not everybody's body type or, or physiology uh, could handle that type of diet. I mean, people are different and require different nutrients. So, uh, you know, depending on, on your different genetic background and stuff like that. So, I mean, there there could be something to be said. A lot of people... Uh, would be healthier on a vegan type diet, but uh, it's not to say that it's something for everybody. So it, it's not something you should necessarily push on one another. It's not like if if you know I'm an avid meat eater, I go and you know tell people you should eat this steak just because you know I'm a meat eater. I'm a meat eater. Eat the steak because it's it's good and it's as a, you know. And I understand like a lot of the vegan ethical concerns and stuff like that, and I could I could relate to that. Uh, yeah, it does kind of bother me, the, the whole ethical reasoning behind it. But at the same token, I, I don't honestly think I could maintain my health properly without eating some type of, uh, uh, you know, a, a meat product or, or, or something that's that's got a higher uh, content of animal protein. Because even though you could get proteins from different vegetable sources, it's it's really not not the same for all you know when it metabolizes in your body so it, it's just one of those things everybody has differing opinions on it and I, I really don't think it needs to be the big issue that it's being pushed to be but there is a definite agenda behind the whole vegan push too and you could see that when you look at things like uh what is it the beyond burger or the mm -hmm. impossible burger things like this these are just plant-based meat substitutes and then they're also talking about uh, developing artificially grown meat products in the lab, uh, so they could actually grow synthetic meat in the in a lab setting and stuff now too, and and that's being pushed as well. And this kind of relates more to the transhuman aspect of things too, because this is talking about genetically modifying uh, different foods. In fact, uh, the Impossible Burger uses genetically modified soy protein as its main base. So uh, well, there's a surprise considering it's coming from a fast food place. Would you expect yeah. them to give you something that's super healthy for you? I mean, come on, you no, don't go to McDonald's that. because it's good for you. you go there because it's cheap yeah. and easy. Right. It's not even not that cheap that. anymore. Well, some of it is, but you know, something a lot of people don't even realize about this is, uh, your, your standard impossible burger has 44 grams of estrogen in it. So, uh, that's, that's another concern. So it's, it's a feminizing aspect as well, hey, which hey, plays hey. more into the, the gender confusion thing. My moobs feel great. What are you, what are you talking <laughs> about? I bet they do. They feel great. <clears throat> so I, they're not tender. That's all that matters, man. Yeah. Hey, they're, they're not. Uh, but I think uh, I, I think then we all agree that um, uh, whether it's um, you know veganism or whether it's uh, any one of a number of things, um, it, it really turns out that it's um, there's a Hegelian dialectic behind it. It's a divide and conquer tactic. Um, if you are being 
um, told to hate your neighbor uh, or, or to, um, you know, uh, cause division and to get into little groups and, and make it an us and them thing. Um, that's where the problem begins. And that's that's where you're seeing um, whether it's um, Democrat or Republican, whether, you know, whether it's a um, uh, whether it's a political thing, whether it's a, a food thing, um, any time that um, you're being told uh, that you need to line up in groups and, and hate the other guy, um, that that's a problem. Breast. Yeah. So let, let's let's tie that one up because I, I we've only got 45 minutes left and we totally strayed away from the pandemic crap. Everything is about divide and conquer, folks, no matter what. I mean, you can argue ethics all day, and I have my opinion on it, and other people have different opinions on it, and that's cool. We can all get along, you know. Sit down, have a nice cup of tea, and talk about it. But just Coffee. remember, you're if it were well, tea drinker, coffee's better than tea. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Depends upon my mood. I am a big, big coffee drink drinker, folks. but I do like a nice cup of tea sometimes. Yeah, I go ways, But anyway, man. remember that if it's being pushed in the mainstream media, if you see dum-dum Hollywood pushing it, if there's some dipshit celebrity out there pushing it, it's for divide and, con- divide and conquer. And they might believe it too. Like I was saying before, I think that they have a, somehow over the past few decades got these absolute nut jobs into media of all sorts and they believe the, the, the crap that they're, they're smelling their own farts and they believe the crap that they're pushing to us. They think it's a good idea to not entertain, but to push out what used to be entertainment and used to be story driven, character driven uh, adventures that you would go and, and, and take a break from life from. And now it's all about like, no, we're going to push our message because we're right and you're not and you, we know better than you. And that's it. And, well, to, to, to tie that up with the, the question from earlier, you're seeing these properties fail. And I don't think money really matters that much to a lot of these anymore. The big one I'm trying to figure out is, I actually looked this up the other day, Disney is not owned by a single person. It's got shareholders. That means that Bob Iger has to answer to a board and all that kind of thing. And when you've got someone like Kathleen Kennedy driving a property they paid $4.2 billion for into the dust – you got to wonder, like, are these people not shaking their sticks at them going, hey, man, uh, Star Wars is supposed to make us money, not lose money. And a Star Wars movie lost money. I don't that, that would never have happened under George Lucas, despite stupid Jar Jar Banks and stuff like that. But anyway, Benjamin Crossland, thank you for the ten dollar super chat. He says thank you and thank you back. Uh, but anyway, why don't we get back to uh, this whole Fear porn of disease. And one of the things I really wanted to point out to people is that they've been doing this for a long time. For instance, does anybody remember mad cow disease? There's a oh, good yeah. one. Remember how much that was Whoa, being pushed and how it was going to get us all? Yeah, angry chickens and, and pissed off pigs and, and all of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, a lot of really angry animals. Right? All, all those. Diseases. Sure. All, all those guys, um, they, they had... Um, you know, uh, but you can you can go back and look, and this is what kind of what I was going to get to um, before we you know wrap this up is is to have people go back and again I encourage you do your own research like take a look at the um, at the the uh, pandemics of the last hundred years you can find a list of them in a number of different places um, uh, you know again you can't always trust everything but but there's some you know historical records or whatever you can kind of look at the things that that came along and you'll see that they follow um, cycles. Um, they, they push these cycles at, at uh, specific times. Uh, and so 
um, that should tell you something, right? When you start to see patterns develop, um, one of the things that, that I, I want to be um, cautious about as we talk about um, the corona um, virus and what's going on now is, you know, we all say, well, it's fake, but I, I would I would just ca- throw a word of caution. I don't want to be the person to say, oh, oh, it's fake, and then, um, you know, have people not prepare and then um, have anybody come to harm because of that. Uh, again, I think it's just as likely that um, that it's the boy who cried, cried wolf and they're going to sneak up on us. And could this be the one? Yeah, it could. Um, so I, I, that's, uh, you know, he, here's what I, my encouragement, right, is to keep your eyes open. Just know that whatever they're telling you um, is probably a lie, whether that's um, that this is the worst one ever or, or don't to be worried, you know, um, whatever they're telling you is, is um, probably, you know, a lie. But they're going to. Um, uh, they have um, an enormous amount of control, and this is just one other way uh, that they're pushing agendas for um, forced vaccinations uh, and, and to take control through FEMA, CDC. Uh, I think if you look through, um, you know, the history of um, predictive programming and, and movies and stuff, that the zombie outbreak has been a, a major one. So you, you find aliens, you find a zombie epidemic, um, you find an asteroid impact, you find five or six themes that are pretty regularly uh, shown as uh, apop- apocalyptic um, things. So uh, I would keep my eyes on those things, whether it's this one or whether it's another one. Um, I think that um, there is going to be um, um, some sort of biological weapon, uh, maybe more than one, that uh, they definitely have a, a depopulation agenda. Uh, and whether they blame it on it or whether they actually do it, I, I would I would urge caution uh, to, to keep an eye on uh, what they're doing. I mean, just take care of you and your family. Right. And just to kind of back up what you're saying, uh, just a couple of years back, I think it was from 2012, if I remember correctly, uh, the Department of Defense actually has a training manual uh, for a zombie apocalypse. And I kid you not. Yeah. And this, this is an actual Army training manual. And nowhere to lie. People can still look this up and find it on the Internet. It, it's really there. I had a copy of it in my digital library at one point. But they, they do have this as a training scenario because they say that it, it gives uh, a good scenario for such a thing like is an ep- epidemic outbreak or something like like that uh, for you know a military response to this so it, it kind of prepares the military you know in kind of a, uh, a joking kind of way more or less for this type of a scenario to, to come about so uh, you know you, you could kind of see uh, the markers are there for this whole coronavirus thing whether it's a real thing or not who could say for sure but I have seen uh, you know some scientific documentation uh, that this uh, particular coronavirus, some of the the aspects of it that are different from other known coronaviruses is, uh, it seems that it has certain genetic predispositions to it. Yep. So it it it, uh, it appears to be a targeted kind of a disease, or and least- it's targeted towards uh, to affect uh, people of Asian descent, yep. uh, pri- primarily male and above the age of fifty. And that seems to be the group that it, it uh, has more major effects upon. So you may not be as susceptible to it as that particular uh, genotype. So uh, that, that's that's one thing I could tell people to kind of alleviate some fear of this. Now that's not to say don't try to pre- you know don't prepare for it or anything, because it's not to say you still can't get something like that, but you can. But uh, it, it's it's just one of those things where. I think they've kind of escalated the fear of it uh, 
beyond the proportion that it needs to be, whether it's a factual thing or not. And they're definitely not letting this uh, this whole uh, emergency go to waste, as they like to yep, say. You know, produce, don't let a, a good crisis go to waste. Go to waste so they're they're not doing that for sure. I would they're throw not letting it go to waste. I would throw this out there, and again, um, you, everybody, you do you, right? Don't do something because I said so. But I would, uh, th- I will say for me, um, if there is, um, uh, if there is any sort of um, vaccine. Uh, that that uh, will was supposed to keep this thing. Any, anything they offer in terms of a of a vaccine or a um, or a cure or an antivirus for it, um, I'm not taking it. Nope, <laughs> I got a vaccine either. for you. Eat a bag of oranges. Eat a bag of. I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> who are you talking to, huh? That's I'm talking. I'm talking to CDC right there. Hey, hey forget about hey, Hey, Joey ain't doing that. Uh, but no, that's uh, for for me. Um, I, I'm saying if they offer any sort of um, any sort of uh, you know immunization or uh, inject injectable, um, I'm not taking it. I'll tell you that. No, I'm not either. I've seen just too much too much horror stories from those things firsthand uh, to even consider something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it's coming to that because, uh, supposedly, uh, one major corporation, Jason's uh, pharmaceutical got, Jason's corporation. Got it. I heard it. You heard, oh, no. heard me sneezing. He's got, he got could it. travel through the computer, Baldini. Watch out. Computer uh, virus. Yeah. What? <laughs> computer virus. Yep. See, it, we're all toast. You never know. <laughs> it's the woo flu computer virus. Oh no. <laughs> Maybe that's what's wrong with my Skype. Jason sneezed on me. It's got something. All right. <laughs> So if we go back two decades, the first one on the list that I have here was the Nile virus. And I kind of remember that one, but I don't, I don't remember that one being pushed that heavily. I just kind of remember that on the news here and there. Two years later, though, in 2004, we had SARS. Now, that one I remember being pushed pretty hard, but that one also targeted Asians, didn't it? It, it did. But again, the, the total um, death toll of that was um, less than 1,000 people. Um, so, I mean, they had, um, between 2002 and 2004, um, 350 in China, uh, 300 in Hong Kong, some, uh, less than 50 each in, uh, Taiwan, Canada, and Singapore. So, so the total, the total outbreak was less than literally less than 700, um, for as much as they tried to scare us with, um, that SARS was going to kill us all. Right. (laughs) Right. So so basically what you're saying is it was way less scary than measles, right? Exactly. Right. No, no, ex- exactly. And so, I, in fact, I was looking um, earlier at the um, at the coronavirus, you know, and the cases and what the percentages are. Right. And so they, they skew these numbers really badly. Um, the the death uh, total deaths follow the total cases curve, you know, you know, directly, like pretty much one for one there. Uh, but but initially it was about two point six percent resulting in deaths. And the standard um flu season epidemic is about three percent so it was actually you know less dangerous uh, in terms of um in terms of mortality rate than, than a standard off-the-shelf flu uh, so uh, now they're saying it's closer to 11 percent, which you know that would be that, that would be uh, considerably higher uh, but the way that they're doing these these numbers um i'm having trouble understanding i mean they, they they skew these numbers really badly to make it i think intentionally difficult uh, to understand what's going on um, with this particular um uh, this particular virus but I, I can say that as i look through the list of 
uh, all these other things, right? Um, the there has been far worse in terms of um, cholera epidemics on the African continent. Um, um, standard flu in 2009, just a regular flu, killed over 200,000 people worldwide, right? In 2009, did you hear about that? It was, it was just an off-the-shelf flu. Um, so, uh, again, um, I don't trust anything the media tells you, right? So, so any so that the fact that they're trying to make it a, a crazy, scary pandemic um, does definitely tell me something. And you know, as we get to you know a little bit further, and you have that again, that Zika, um, the big Zika, and they were, um, uh, oh, Wayne got it too. See, everybody's getting sick now. <laughs> uh, but the big, uh, the big Zika scare again, according to the Wikipedia list, that the total death toll was minus fifty three. <clears throat> In 2015-2016, the Zika virus epidemic um, worldwide, the, minus 53 is the number that they show. So I don't, I don't do really know. What, I, I don't know. Well, but, because but, the it, numbers are skewed, that's how. Right. But even <laughs> if it was 53, right? That's, um, uh, that's less than, than just a, a regular, uh, like, again, cholera showing up in um, Somalia uh, and Vietnam. In 2007, you had 1,100 people in Vietnam die from cholera. Right, just an outbreak of cholera because they um, there was a flood, right? And so the the groundwater got sat um, got uh, messed up with um, you know human feces in it. Uh, so more people there than through the Zika virus that they spent months uh, trying to tell us that we were gonna we were gonna die from. So uh, I'll just go back to this: is that um, anything that the media tells you is likely a lie. Uh, there's probably some truth in it. Uh, you know, uh, baits uh, traps don't work without bait in it. Uh, but but man. Um, they are really, really. I mean, again, it measles in the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo in this last November killed about five thousand people. Measles, right? Uh, and then it went over to Samoa. There was like you know eighty-three people in Samoa. Um, so that's way more uh, than any of these crazy. Oh, you're going to die from all this stuff. So so far, they say about two thousand people have died worldwide from this um, coronavirus. Uh, about twenty seventeen, something like that, is the current count. Uh, but but that again. Um, is less than um, a measles outbreak uh, by almost you know three times in the Congo. So I'm just saying that whatever they're telling you is likely a lie. Eric is asking. Oh, here. Uh, I heard it for another sh from another show that Asians have five times the receptors in the lungs than other races, so they are more likely to catch the virus than th uh, through the air. Have we heard of this? And I've never heard that in particular. But uh, are you guys familiar with that? Well, that kind of goes along with, uh, you know, the, some of the stuff I have seen about this particular coronavirus. And, and that's kind of one of the things they're saying is uh, I, I don't know if they have, per se, more lung receptors for it. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's exactly how that would work, but uh, they are more susceptible to uh, actually uh, get this because of just the the makeup of uh, how this coronavirus is put together because this coronavirus has uh, different parts to it than your standard coronavirus that they've seen and uh, they're they're trying to uh, relate this back to bats i know that sounds weird but uh, they're they're trying to say that this this came originally from some species of bats so that that's one of the narratives they're pushing and that's kind of an esoteric uh, thing on the face of it too when okay, you so look at that to, directly to that question i was just really look quickly looking really quick and there is some evidence yes that there's a, um the s1 and s2 proteins 
um, has to do with um, the way the coronavirus attacks. So the corona is so named because it's a crown, right? That um, it looks like a, a crown that attacks a certain protein uh, and that uh, apparently that um, certain um, genetic markers within Asians do have uh, more receptors for the S2. Uh, so that would make them um, more susceptible. Um, I can't see five times, but I do see that um, that is one of the aspects of this is that um, the S2 protein um, there, there is a, a the more receptors uh, genetic, genetically, um, so that uh, it would make them more susceptible to it. Yes. So, 2005, we had the bird flu. I remember that one too. And here's the thing I want to point out to everybody: <laughs> the flu does kill people. Usually, people with weaker immune systems. A lot of times, it's the elderly. I yep. Mean, something's going to kill you. You got to keep that in mind. And when they're pushing these flu vaccines or any of this crap, that has to be made a year-ish beforehand. So let's say this coronavirus is a real thing and they want to give you shots for it now. They want to vaccinate you. Vaccinate. Well, that would have had to have been mass produced in 2019 or even 2018, depending on how much they need or want. How the hell would they have known? Well, then how do you explain that um, a, a bottle of bleach, Clorox bleach that I saw on the shelf at uh, a Fred Meyer store the other day um, said that it was good at killing the uh, coronavirus? Uh, so it's on the shelf now. <laughs> a bottle of bleach, which was um, uh, the tag on it, said it was made in November, um, said that it was uh, it, it specifically stated that it killed the coronavirus on, on the label. Uh coronaviruses are really nothing new. I mean, this is actually kind of uh, uh, the same classification that the common cold falls under. Well, uh, this a, is a type a, of coronavirus. Yeah, it's a type. A so, type. Uh, you, you know, it's, these products saying that it will kill coronaviruses, uh, I don't think when they printed that label they were specifically talking about, per se, this particular coronavirus. Well, but uh, maybe who knows? Maybe they are. Maybe, maybe not. What I'm saying is it's specifically listed it uh, and then right. for them to, to push it, right? So, I mean, we, we did see, you know, t literally thousands of predictive programming items for the 9-11 thing. Um, so the, the fact that... Um, um, you know that they that they predicted or or specifically mentioned a coronavirus outbreak. You know, again, if it's um, uh, if it is a um, military grade bioweapon, as again, there are some indicators that it that it might be. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but there, um, you know, specifically uh, there have been um, at a uh, a very high um, diplomatic level uh, charges that the the U.S. U.S. is um, you know asking um, the Chinese government if it's a if it's a bioweapon, um, indicating that it is. Now, from my uh, from my perspective, um, that's the the only reason that's in the in the news is to sort of leak it out there because they're all in bed together anyway. <laughs> right. So there's there's nothing that's um, going on that isn't um, sp that isn't planned by those who are pulling the strings. But the fact that that was mentioned uh, in, in the um, the news cycle, uh, that there was a, a diplomatic high diplomatic level um, a direct question uh, of the U.S. asking um, the Chinese government if it was a bioweapon, uh, I do find interesting. After that, it skipped a few years and we get to 2009 and we have the swine flu. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm being the a hand. swine flu. There's swine flu. There's swine flesh. 
And again, uh, not very many deaths with that one. I don't have the numbers. I don't know where you're getting those numbers from. Did you did you make a list for the uh, for the show, Baldini? Yeah, I, real quickly. Yeah. Um, cool. See if I, what what year was that? Um, two thousand nine. Nine. Yeah. So two thousand nine. Der Schweinflu. Um, you know, uh, not not even enough to to really hit my um to to hit my list. The previous swine flu, I did have that showing up earlier. Uh, <laughs> See if I can find it here. If I remember correctly, that was one of the ones that Alex Jones was screaming about uh, in regards to the to the vaccines, if, if memory serves. Oh, they're all the vaccine for all of them. I, I mean, this is it, these vaccines for the the flu viruses in particular are are particularly bad uh, because, uh, like you said, they they do have to try and figure out which strains they think are going to be the the popular one, or I shouldn't say popular, like the more pre- prevalent one. <laughs> it's, the, a the next year. one. <laughs> it's a popular strain of the flu, man. Give me the some of that flu. swine flu. Everybody wants to get the swine flu. It's bacon flavored uh, flu. That's, that's yes, bacon flu. See, if they called it the bacon flu, people would be, oh well, the bacon flu. Then they wouldn't be so afraid of it, you know. But you know it. It is what it is. But anyway, but that's the thing. They have to figure out uh, which strain of the flu they think is going to be prevalent the following year to develop these vaccines. So uh, this is kind of what they do. But they are working right now on a universal flu vaccine, uh, which uses a different part of the viral material uh, to make this vaccine. Because there, there's basically how this works. I was looking into this. There's There's two separate parts. Uh, of the vaccine, and usually the the one that they use as the antigen in in the flu vaccines is uh, what they would term like like the head of the vaccine. They use the 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 RNA material from that. But now they're looking at making a universal flu vaccine where they use the stem part of the flu of the what do you call it the of the virus to put in the vaccine it's, it's, as the, the antigen. antigen. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's not even a full virus they'll be using now. This this is dangerous. They're just using uh, little bits of RNA to do this, and uh, they're they're actually developing a, a whole separate uh, type of vaccines, several different lines of types of vaccines with this now that are not the same as your standard vaccines you think of. There's two particular ones. One's called a peptide vaccine that they're they're working on doing right now. They they do different kinds of peptide vaccines which don't use any actual viruses. It's just bits of and fragments of, of RNA and stuff from uh, similar viruses and things like that. And they also have what they call a, a click vaccine or a click virus vaccine. So, uh, and this relates to something called click chemistry, which people could look that up. It, it gets a little, uh, a little out there, uh, hard to explain to anybody who, who's not familiar with a lot of these things. So it, it, it gets in pretty in depth, but if people are interested in looking that up, uh, this is kind of a whole new class of vaccines they're developing that are just using nanotech, pure nanotech rather than actual, uh, viral materials or living materials in it. So this is something to be concerned with too. And this, this could uh, also equate back to the whole bioweapon idea. So, uh, these things are in development and possibly being used, I would say probably being used right now uh, for the development of vaccines. And as an interesting aside, I just saw something uh, prior to going on air here that apparently the uh, Chinese government, uh, particularly in the Wuhan area, had made a, a legislative proposal back in July of 2019, and they were mandating uh, vaccines and you know vaccination campaigns uh beginning december 1st of 2019 
So this is something that has been legislated now into law in China, where you have to uh, follow the uh, the um, the what do you call it the the whole schedule, the vaccine schedule that uh, the government. Put out. So they they started mass vaccinating on December first too. So I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. Well, I think that, um, and that's uh, again when we were first talking about the mandatory vaccinations. I'm I'm pretty certain if I'm <coughs> I'm not mistaken uh, that mandatory vaccinations are now part of the um, true ID uh, thing so that you will um, have to have uh, your vaccination schedule before you can fly. Uh, So you won't be able to take um, public transportation uh, or at least um, uh, you won't be able to uh, take a flight, a domestic flight without your flu schedule uh, under the real ID. So, um, that is uh, a major concern because I'll be taking the um, train. <laughs> um, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not getting it. I, I'm not gonna. Uh, I turned down every flu thing last time I was asked if I. Um, I, I don't like to lie, but um, <clears throat> they, they asked if I had uh, my full schedule of immunizations, and I said yes. <laughs> Just always say yes. Because when Absolutely. I was younger, I did I did get the, the the full schedule, and so as far as I'm concerned, I've had the full schedule of vaccines. That <laughs> they didn't the, they did not yeah, specify. That's, so. that's kind of the stance most adults take today. But uh, what they don't realize is they're 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 not fully vaccinated. They're they're basically unvaccinated. Most of the the adults over the age of thirty walking around now are completely unvaccinated according to what the the modern standard is for being fully vaccinated. They're completely unvaccinated. Uh, And that's that's kind of another myth that goes along with the whole vaccine push is uh, when you're thinking about you get your childhood vaccines or whatever, you're thinking this is conferring lifelong immunity to you, aren't you? That's not true. Most vaccines last anywhere between two and ten years. And that's about it. And yeah. then their efficacy is gone, and it's it, you're completely unvaccinated. Then, so uh, that, that's why they have booster shots and stuff too, because some of them are just you know they they're not as long lasting as others. So uh, even the the little bit of uh, immune response that you get from you know the, this vaccine, it, it's temporary. It, you're not getting lifelong immunity like as if you actually contracted the disease and your body fought it off naturally, and then you have lifelong immunity. This is something totally different, and uh, the antigenic load in a lot of these vaccines causes all kinds of autoimmune diseases and stuff like that, too. And the CDC has known about this since the, at least the 1970s on record. So it's it's one of those things where uh, even Congress has said uh, that vaccines are unavoidably unsafe, end quote. That's, that's exactly what they said. But uh, they still... You know, they, they want to mandate this, that everybody gets this stuff. And, you know, the 1986 law uh, that they, they brought out uh, prevents any of these vaccine manufacturers from being sued. It prevents them from being liable. They have no liability for this. So it's it's pretty much you take away the liability. Uh, they have no motivation to actually keep these things safe or even effective at that that point. I mean, they have they have a carte blanche. Uh, ability to just do whatever they want with these things with no accountability. There's no accountability because they're they're not liable for any damages that these things cause. So do you really think that uh, a product that they spend billions and billions of dollars in research and development in, if it, they did do testing on it and determine that it's not safe for public consumption, do you really think they're just going to drop it? 
No, it's going to market. And this has happened in the past with, with different vaccines, uh, the polio vaccine being one of the key ones among them. Uh, this has gone to market uh, knowingly from Merck Pharmaceutical uh, with uh, the SV40 virus in it. And the SV40 virus has been well known to cause cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, this 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 is what's going on. That's why we have these ec- epidemic rates of cancer. Anybody who's had these vaccines in the, the 1950s and 60s and you know, that kind of thing. Uh, this this is probably one of the main reasons why. And uh, it's even even got to the point where uh, the polio vaccine and uh, Jonas Salk, the inventor of the polio vaccine, even testified to this in, before Congress. Uh, the uh, the polio vaccine was the primary, if not only cause of every case of polio in the United States at, at one point during the course of a decade. So uh, th- this, and this is one of the things that, uh, that these vaccine manufacturers and stuff do. And uh, they, they skew their data because now you, you don't hear about people getting polio, do you? But you sure do hear about them getting Guillain-Barre syndrome, don't you? Oh. And this is a side effect. This is a side effect listed in vaccines. So, uh, I mean, lo and behold, you change the name of this thing, and then all of a sudden, of course, the polio rate drops when you change the name of polio. Now you get uh, non-polio myelitis. That's that, that's one of the, the things. It's, it's not polio. It's it got exactly all the same symptoms as polio, but it's not polio. It's not polio. And, and it's the same thing. And Guillain-Barre syndrome, that's just another fancy term for polio. And, you know, this is, this is how... These are the games that these people play. And this is what kills me because what's the number one go-to to most people uh, who are all about the whole vaccine agenda and, and all about vaccines and thinks vaccines are the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, you're not in, you don't see anybody in iron lungs anymore, do you? It's because <laughs> of the vaccine. You're the polio. And no, no, that's not why it, we have better technology now. So there's no need for a giant iron lung thing, but Secondarily, um, you know, we have uh, cleaner facilities, and that, that's one of the primary things that uh, started dropping the polio rate to begin with was better hygiene uh, and better hygienic uh, uh, things, things like indoor plumbing, stuff like that, better hygiene facilities. Uh, that, that's what really dropped the polio rate to begin with. And then they started changing the name of, of this stuff because once they introduced the vaccine because, uh, you know, they – didn't want to look bad when it comes down to it. Uh, they didn't want to make it look. They didn't want it to look like that the vaccine didn't work and wasn't helping. So uh, they started changing uh, the names of these different various symptoms and subcategorizing the the different cases of polio into these other things like non-polio, uh, <laughs> right? Enteritis and, and other- like all of these other things. Something other than polio. Right. This, this, is, this the, is the non-polio polio. The non-polio. <laughs> pretty polio. much. Right. Um, I just uh, I noticed Frank Bertucci said that he got the real ID and they didn't have the vaccine schedule on there. Um, no, I wasn't saying that it, uh, it um, requires it now, but there is a clause in the real ID um, that, uh, again, with the CDC, if there's any, uh, the CDC has control over that. Uh, and so if there is any sort of um, uh, um, uh, quarantine situation, um, that's um, part of it, right, that they um, uh, that it, it could be a requirement. So they, there's a clause in the uh, real idea of compliance between state, the con- interstate compact uh, between it, that you can't travel state to state uh, if there's an outbreak in your area. So that's just, um, um, that, that's what I was getting to there. 
So didn't mean to mislead anybody um, on a, uh, inadvertently. By the way, if anybody gets told nonsense like they took the aluminum or anything like that out of the uh, or the mercury too out of the flu shots, uh, they're lying. <laughs> Keep that in yes, mind. Most Those of are heavy the metals flu- that are most- going right in your brain. And- heavy metal. Correct me if I'm wrong, Wayne, but don't males have a much higher susceptibility to uh, heavy metal toxicity passing through the blood-brain barrier? Uh, It's not necessarily males. Uh, There's, uh, in certain cases, uh, people with a a certain uh, gene mutation, particularly the MTHFR gene, uh, if they have this particular gene mutation, they're more susceptible uh, to damage from heavy metal toxicity because uh, this is your... This is the gene that regulates your body's methylation system. So if you're not methylating properly, uh, it's not uh, removing uh, the heavy metal materials from uh, your cell structures and stuff and eliminating them from your body properly. So they tend to bioaccumulate and they can cross the blood-brain barrier. So this is a problem for people that have this certain gene mutation. And there's several other gene mutations that uh, can cause a very similar type issue. And this is a, a common gene mutation that occurs in autism. So uh, I, I think this is uh, part and parcel to one of the causes of what's going on with the onset of autism symptoms. And this is why so many people seem to report uh, the autism symptoms uh, setting in primarily like shortly after vaccination, because uh, I, I think in my research it's shown that uh, it's, it's mostly the aluminum in a lot of these vaccines because aluminum is one of the uh, primary adjuvants used in vaccines all over the world. So, uh, and it's high concentrations of it too, and it bioaccumulates. And it's also been uh, correlated to uh, Alzheimer's and, and such things as well. So you could see it's disrupting uh, calcium neuronal channels in people. And what this does is it causes a dysregulated feedback loop in people's nervous system. And this could equate as something like, uh, say, autism or Alzheimer's or something along those lines. So this is kind of, I think, what we're looking at. And this is kind of where the onset of it comes in because this stuff does bioaccumulate and certain people are more susceptible to it than others. I don't know if that's necessarily something that's more common in males or not. I would suspect it probably is, but, you know, it's one of those things. It's not all males are necessarily more susceptible to that. But, yeah, I mean, it's something to consider, but it it goes hand in hand with the whole uh, vaccine adverse uh, effect thing. So. And from the swine flu, we jump to the Ebola virus in 2014. You got any stats on that, Baldini? Uh, Ebola. Ebola. Take a look here. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. So on the uh, Ebola, uh, there was um, uh, they're saying more than eleven thousand, um, and that was primarily though centered in West Africa. Uh, so outside of the African continent, um, there was um, less than two hundred. <laughs> right. So, uh, so again, uh, it's the skewing of the stats. Uh, that that really um, uh, again, I'll just say it again. If the if the media is telling you something, it's it's probably a lie. So the, I think the big thing. Sorry, I think the big thing with the whole Ebola scare was just the uh, 
the symptoms of it themselves. I mean, it's a lot scarier than like your standard. Okay, I I get sick. I have you know I'm congested. I'm coughing. I got fluid in my lungs. That kind of thing. This one was a lot scarier because like this this involved people bleeding from all their orifices and stuff. Yikes. So. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely something that's a little more scary on the face of it. So, it, it's that's that's how people die from Ebola is they they hemorrhage like their their uh, their really connective quickly. tissues and stuff in their their organs. It they just kind of dissolve and yeah, all the blood just seeps out, yeah. and it, it's it's a scary disease. Like honestly, so I think that was why the the whole scare with it is because it is such a scary way for something like that to happen. So, uh, you know, I, I could kind of see how some people could, could have been like majorly concerned about that, but like Baldini said, only 200 cases outside of Africa. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the numbers didn't add up to the pandemic that they were making it out to be Michelle regardless is, of how scary it was. Michelle is asking about martial law that's something that can happen. It certainly happened in New Orleans, which is a stone's throw across the pond from me. And I've spoken to people who were around during the whole Katrina thing, and they told me some stuff. Like, like it went down. There, there were military on the streets and all that trying to, uh, well, the claim is keep the peace. I wasn't here yet, so I can't speak from first-person account. But, yes, those things can go, can and will go down. <clears throat> I think the problem is that they've, they've really got to be careful with the, what they do. The whole thing is not to wake people up too much too fast. Yeah, it's the boiling frog thing. I, yeah. I, yeah, I saw her um, ask, Michelle asked uh, before that question whether, you know, whether citywide lockdowns were possible. And, and I would answer, is it possible? Sure. Um, I think ultimately it probably will come. My take on it is um, when, when they really switch that flip, it's probably going to be uh, a, a nationwide power outage. Um, they're going to drop the electricity grid. Um, that is one thing that would absolutely um, cause people to come running to FEMA. Uh, and um, because, you know, people are not used to living without electricity. They don't know how. Uh, so when they if they were to drop the um, the power grid, uh, they could very easily get people. Um, they could very easily instantiate Agenda 2030 and get people into mega cities in a week. Um, and keep people out of any place that's not a mega city because we can't provide power there. We can't guarantee your safety. Oh, and by the way, we'll shoot you if you try to go out there because um, we can't have anybody running around and, and causing trouble. Um, so, uh, you know, could, could they do martial law? Yes. I think that um, uh, without um, very small test beds like they did in Boston following the bombing um, and a few, you know, Overton window things like the Operation Jade Helm they did in Texas uh, to kind of test for it. Um, they, they've been testing for it, so I don't think they're going to spend that kind of effort without eventually doing it. It's going to be what happens when they do it. My sense of it is it's going to be a um, all at once, right? Once the um, the, the frog is boiled, um, they're going to switch the flip really hard and really fast. Um, that's been my experience of the way they operate is that they're going to do it quickly and hard. Um, but uh, more likely uh, in a way, like I said, with the power, dropping the power grid, that would get people to um, love their captors um, rather than have them come in and, um, uh, you know, use um, some more um, sketchy thing like gun control or something like that. Um, people would fight back harder on that. Uh, but if they if they did it with a blackout, that they would certainly get people to love uh, to Stockholm syndrome big time on that. Eric was here in uh, during Katrina. He said it wasn't a to it wasn't total martial law. It was a co-op. 
So I assume he means cooperation, cooperative efforts. And uh, still, I mean, troops on the streets is a scary thing. Like, that's not something we see in America ever. That's something you see in other countries, but doesn't happen here. So it still can happen. Uh, I I don't know all the details about Katrina. So, hey, if you ever have something to talk about with that, and especially if it's kind of something you think people should know, (laughs) let me know. I'd be happy to discuss it sometime. Of course, I'll probably end up having coffee with you sometime in the near future anyway. With Nothing me? wrong with coffee. Yeah, you. No, Eric is a, is a, is a local feller. Oh, cool. Um, after Ebola, we jump up to 2016. We have Zika virus. Man, I didn't hear anyone getting anything whatsoever about this one. This one was only a few years back. and You missed entirely the Chikanunga virus. Chikanunga? Which one's that? Uh, that? I didn't have that one on my list. Talk, let's talk about it. 2014 um, killed 183 people in the Americas. What, what, what the Chikanunga. Uh, 2013 through 2015, chicken nuggets. Yeah. Um, Chicken nuggets killed that many people? Chicken nuggets. Not surprising. (laughs) Probably with cholesterol. No, no, really. I thought I would have killed a lot more than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the big chicken nugget outbreak. Um, is, is that, that's when that happened. Um, and then there was a bubonic plague out, uh, outbreak in Madagascar, 2014 through 2016, um, 40 people there in, in no Madagascar, rats. but the bubonic plague is, is a, a scary one. I mean, in terms of it's an ugly way to go, I would say be scared of it, but, um, you know, but, it, but again, some of these things, um, you know, for example, again, that Zika virus, um, with negative 53, it's probably 53, but the numbers are skewed, skewed. But again, a cholera epidemic in Yemen, uh, in 2016 took out almost 4,000 people. So really, um, from, from what my counts is, um, the things that you don't hear about in these underdeveloped places are, are usually way worse, uh, than the big scary ones from the media. Right. right, and, and just as an interesting aside, for the most part. Just as an interesting aside, uh, that whole Madagascar thing with the bubonic plague. Um, at the same time, concurrently as the bubonic plague was going on there, there was also a measles outbreak, mm-hmm. which the uh, World Health Organization attributed a lot of deaths to, uh, which were actually bubonic plague deaths. But they 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 tagged measles on as the cause of death on that. So. That's an interesting aside, and that's one of the ways that they skew the numbers and, and say that the measles is a lot more deadly than what it is, just so you know. Yeah. Just putting that out there for people. What All else right, you got, Baldini? We've only got a couple minutes left. Yeah, just um, a couple of weird ones. You know, you've got the – in 2017, there was a Japanese encephalitis outbreak in India. So – <laughs> that was a weird one um but that um that had a mortality rate of um 64 um so, so these outbreaks are they all in locations from the yeah. the things you found like specific yeah. locations that have bad sanitation almost all of them yeah there, there's a few of them in different places but uh but for the most part um africa is a, a big one uh and some island um some island places we've got um like samoa um but most of them are in africa on the african continent um uh, and a, a lot of them uh, specific to different to different uh, countries so the um the only one now that they're calling a the the only worldwide ones that they call worldwide uh was the um uh, middle east respiratory system uh in 2012 uh the Earth, zika yeah. Yep, the Zika virus, um, you know, again in 2015, 2016, uh, and this current coronavirus, 
um, which um, as I was watching, uh, it was interesting. There's a live counter. And when we started the show, the d- number of deaths was 2117. Uh, and it's now at 2126, two hours later. So um, I think that's that was interesting is that there there have been nine deaths, um, according to this website, uh, during the, the two hours that we've been talking. Wayne, you're the one who knows most about this, I think. Howie is asking about more Gellens. And I, I think there's some validity there. <clears throat> oh, yeah, uh, more Gellens. Uh, there's definitely something to it. In fact, uh, the CDC has officially recognized it as an actual disease now, uh, not just uh, you know a psychosomatic disease like they, they claimed that it was for the longest time. Uh, they, they recognize it now as an actual thing. Um, Morgellons, I think, in my opinion, uh, people who've developed Morgellons, uh, this was a test run of nanotech, in my opinion, being sprayed in the air and people breathing it in and getting it in their bodies that way. And uh, this was people's immune systems rejecting this nanotech. And I think this was an early attempt at uh, trying to get invasive nanotech into the body. And uh, they've been become a lot more sophisticated with it since that time, since the first early uh, outbreaks of this whole Morgellons idea. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's definitely something there. And uh, it, it's, it's something that... That's pretty scary when to look at uh, how it manifests in people is a lot of times uh, people will get these weird colored fibers and stuff uh, coming out of their skin and such. And, and it's like it's stuck in there. And uh, it, it's it's pretty disturbing. Uh, people get lesions from it, uh, itching and, you know, all, all kinds of different symptoms with it. Well, and, and to that point, um, that's and the people don't believe them, and that's that's a lot of the scary part. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say that to me, that's the that concerns me more uh, the things that they say that isn't real than the things that they try to say. Oh, be scared of the coronavirus, right? Oh, because we've got a we've got a, a, a you know a shot for that. Uh, so the things that they say aren't real, like Morgellons, is actually of more concern to me uh, than um, <laughs> than the things that they they are telling me to be afraid of. Um, so again, I, I kind of read the news upside down. If they, whatever they say, black is almost white, right? It's, it's um, right. not not 180 degrees at a phase, but it's pretty close. Yeah, and I agree with you there. But they're telling you this is not a real thing. Don't be afraid of it. This is just a psychosomatic disorder, uh, you know, a psychological disorder. These people have they they believe this, but it's not true. And you know, they they do everything in their power to try and debunk it. And you know, it, it's a horrible thing for anybody that really suffers from this because you go to the doctor and you show them, hey, I pulled this out of my skin, and you have like all this uh, the, the material, and then, oh, you got that from your sweatshirt or whatever. They'll tell you it's just not- that's just from your sweatshirt and you know here here's here's a psych med for you mm-hmm. <laughs> send you on your way here's and an it doesn't help and right. you still have yeah. the symptoms oh here's some cream for for that fungal rash that you have that kind of thing mm-hmm. and uh that that's that's a part of it too because a, a portion of the morgellons fibers are, are are fungal and there's also uh in insect rna and stuff in there too so uh, it's it's one of those things it's it's definitely a genetically modified uh uh, technological synthetic type of biology when it comes down to it that's that's what it is it's it's a self-assembling nanotech and that's my opinion I, I cannot prove that guys but that's my opinion from what I've seen and and you know the things I've researched with it so well that's pretty much it we're at our time not that we couldn't sit here all night if we felt like it but I don't feel like it and I don't think anybody else does either. <laughs> 
Jason, come on, man. Oh, I don't think if we people want to, to listen to about, us yammer on too much more. Right. We definitely got through uh, the, the the notes that we had here. Uh, <clears throat> to wrap this up, I would say that man, most of this is fear porn. Flus and and sicknesses in general happen every year, and they're all they always are. It just it's just, this is normal. It's they've got to shake the stick and and get everybody afraid because that's just how they keep the control going. And that's that's my uh, that's my general opinion on it, gentlemen. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, I think that this is probably you know that what the numbers tell me is that this is no more um, concerning than any of the others. The only thing that concerns me is when they start playing it backwards. Um, so if they tell you don't be concerned, that's when I get concerned. When they tell me <laughs> to be concerned, that's when I'm less concerned. Um, so uh, I, I do think that there is going to be the boy who cried wolf syndrome um, that they they might um, get people to to ignore or dismiss one, uh, and that's going to be the real one. But is it this one? I don't know. Again, I, I, I don't want to be the cause of people taking it too lightly. I would say, hey, you know what? It's always a good idea to be prepared, have some food and water on standby, um, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, that's never a bad idea under any circumstances. But um, r- really, I, I want to say in terms of things that could harm you, um, this is way down the list. You're much more likely to, to have a, uh, a fatal run-in with uh, law enforcement uh, than you are to get attacked by a coronavirus. So um, I, I don't think that you need to be worried about that. And I would just uh, recommend people, uh, if you want to do the best thing that you could do uh, to try to avoid any type of illness at all, uh, let alone coronavirus, uh, just do a couple things. Take care of your immune system, okay? Uh, sleep properly. Get enough sleep. Uh, proper hydration. Uh, High-dose vitamin C doesn't hurt. Uh, colloidal silver, uh, supplementing with that. Eat clean. Uh, oil of oregano is a great, really good one. great yep. an- antimicrobial. So I, I would recommend those things just to kind of maintain your immune system and try and keep yourself uh, at optimum health and, uh, you know... Uh, uh, avoid the propaganda when you go in the grocery store and it says, get get $50 worth of free groceries with your flu shot. Uh, I would avoid that. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just saying. But, It'll uh, turn you know. Chicken people. Or blue chicken. <laughs> as long as they're not blue chicken people. Not blue chicken people. By the way, it can't be stressed enough to make sure you get enough water and, and good water. I always water. tell people I use filtered water. I use a gravity filter that gets almost all the crap out. Make sure you drink enough water. That's like one of those things that so many people just don't do. If you're drinking tons of soda and and God knows what else, man, you got to compensate because that stuff just strips right through your body and it's not good. No esto bueno por caca. All right, before we sign off, remember to check out our sponsor, LowerTheFriction.com. Go check that out. Use promo code SOS for 5% off. Engine oil treatment that I am definitely behind because I am seeing excellent results in my little Honda. By the way, this week on Crow Triple Seven Radio, we have episode two hundred coming out where we right. are. Yeah, two hundred episodes. I was, you know, as we were getting close to that, I was like, "Damn, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of material." Crow and I have pumped out with, with, uh, with yeah. both of you at times as well. And uh, it's going to be on science fiction, and we step all the way back to the early eighteen hundreds to start. Start off with it and bring it forward. Uh, Crow and I both put a lot of effort into it. I think it's a really going to be a really good show. Uh, we have also Marty Leeds coming up, Ethan Comente, 
there's a couple other topics that Krova and I have been kicking around. I've been doing a whole lot of research to do a follow-up to Edward Bernays because the more I was looking into him and started reading the books and everything, man, I cannot, I cannot stress enough how influential this guy was and how he just seemed like a unassuming little old fellow who was into public relations. Good God, no. The things that that guy did and influenced and what his techniques that were passed on, it's just unbelievable. I'm only up, I, I'm about halfway done with writing notes for it, and I'm only into 1921, and he's already accomplished so much, and this would be when he was in his 20s. He has already accomplished so much at the point I'm at, because I'm trying to get as much in there as I can, that would be enough for someone for like an average person to say, wow, I accomplished a lot. I, I'm very satisfied with this. And this was just when he was in, tw- in his 20s. He hasn't even married his wife yet. That's the point I'm at in his timeline. The guy just did so much crap that was influential in our society. It's insane. So that episode will be coming out sometime soon. We haven't recorded it yet, obviously. But all right, that'll do it. Uh, and you guys want to put in any final words? Go ahead, Wayne. Uh Thanks for coming out, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in here, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Okay. And then uh, I'll just toss out there that um, uh, had been uh, working on the the Awakening Project that uh, we had talked about on um, January 1st. On uh, You heard it here first. Uh, and uh, the result of that is uh, some of the, the amazing stories that I've gotten from people during their Awakening um, uh, progress has um, led me ultimately to, to start um, a, a new podcast. So I'm starting a new podcast um, under the name Unintended Consequences. Uh, starting March 1st, and so you can find the YouTube channel Unintended Consequences. There's no content up yet because I haven't launched the the uh, premiere one, uh, but really we're going to focus on um, uh, those things that, that cause people to change their worldview um, and, and the stories uh, of uh, transformation. So um, anyway, join me for that, uh, and we'll be uh, have a, a number of guests on as we go through that, but uh, Unintended Consequences uh, is the name of that, and I uh, hope to see you there for that. Are you doing any more with your surveys that you're taking and your well, study? That's, that's what it came out of. Yeah, it's it's best actually based on that, um, Jason. So um, we, after the um, uh, uh, the guest appearance that I did Monday on um, Jaronism Raw uh, with uh, Jaron Campanella and um, – uh, David Weiss, the unicorn, and you um, had uh, some amazing response, and um, so I have now um, more than enough. I mean, I would still take um, some contributions, but I have more than enough to to have a significantly uh, statistically significant data sample. Um, so I'm well into that. Um, one of the interesting things that I did note from the um, from the submissions that I got from the um, from the Jaronism show is that um, it's a it's a psychologically a slightly different crowd. Um, so the the initial set of respondents came primarily from um, you know from Secrets of Saturn and from Crow Triple Seven Group, and they have a very consistent profile. Um, when I open it up to Jaronism's group, there's um, it switches from intuitive thinking to a little bit more of sensing in that group. So it's it's an interesting um, uh, that that was interesting to me is that it um, it changed a little bit on to that group. But the one thing <laughs> I noted. Um, 
and that's really again kind of what prompted uh, me to do this uh, this new podcast is that the the one thing that everyone had consistently across the board is that um, everyone is committed uh, to the precepts of truth uh, above all else, and and I I love that these the uh, the, the responses were so genuine and so transparent um, and, and so really genuinely touching, um, and the things that um, when people see things a new way, it's transformed their lives, uh, and so uh, that is the one thing that I've seen across the board um, from every respondent is that um, they made the commitment to put um, the the research and the and and truth above um, their social position or above their reputation. Uh, they were committed to truth above everything else, and that is um, awesome. Uh, last minute super chat came in. Steve Mercer for twelve dollars. Thank you. He says Wayne rocks. Well, I think we agree with that, right? Wayne does. Yes. Thanks, man. By the way, Wayne, do you want to put out your about your books? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, my books are available on Amazon or at pretty much any other fine book retailer at this point. Uh, my first book is called The uh, Alchemical Tech Revolution, Fulfilling Ancient Esoteric Agendas Through the Use of High Technology. And my more recent book is called The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism, Sturdy Little Secret. So if people would like to check those out, that'd be great. I'm working on my third book right now. Should be out sometime this spring. That one's going to be called Cybernetic Messiah, Building the Antichrist system so uh that one should be pretty eye-opening too by the way i didn't get confirmation yet but uh, david weiss is going on vacation for the next two weeks or something like that and i may be sitting in with jaron as his co-host uh for his monday shows for the next for next one or next two uh, he just briefly mentioned it uh so that's a definitely maybe i may be there as well hey. if any of you guys are, are fans of what jaron does i, I like the guy okay. I, I think congratulations yeah I think he's a nice fellow, and I like the work he does. So I'll let you know if that's going to happen. Outstanding. Awesome. All right. I think that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for being here. I appreciate everyone. We kept over 200 the whole time until the end, which is great. So uh, I'm really glad to see the audience slowly but surely building. Plus, on the uh, the D Live, we had quite a few as well. That is also building up. So, hey, guys, thank you. We love you, and take care.